feature presentation. This weird aberration society. So we'll just, I'll just start it and we'll just go. All right. All right, cool. Welcome back to Mutual Aberration Society. Um, I'm Ryan, uh, and today uh, I'm going to be talking about a special, <laughs> a special film. I use special in, in scare quotes, uh, and that film is called uh, Music, or, or its alternative title, um, which is Ungaku. That's the Japanese title. Uh, this movie is a 1972 film uh, directed by Yasuzo Masamura. I'm not going to be talking about this film by myself. Um, I actually have on a guest. Uh, and let me just do what I always do, which is give the, the mic or the floor uh, over to my guest to give their own introduction. So, uh, Fred, uh, tell the listeners uh, who you are. <laughs> Yo, uh, it's me, Fred. I'm a writer, a critic. I write about movies mostly. Mm. Right about music occasionally too. Mm. Um, got a few different gigs going, but uh, you know, just whatever, whatever interests me is basically fair game for coverage, or if you want to call that coverage. <laughs> well, I came across I came across Fred's uh, work because he wrote a. You have a Substack, uh, which I, I I recommend everyone check out. Uh, but Fred wrote a a piece about uh, pink films. And uh, I have a, it's weird to say this out loud, or especially to say this over a, a recording that's broadcast across internet, but I have an affinity for pink films. Uh, but don't take that in a, you know, in, a, in a kind of a weird way. I mean, like, I think that pink films are special because they are this weird kind of softcore film where people are uh, able to get away with so much. Mm -hmm. um, I've had on I've had on a director um, to talk about his pink film, um, which was Maniac Driver, which was a uh, uh, Karando Mitsutaki, uh, who's he's actually made a pink film in a, in the modern era, and we we had a discussion about that, and he talked about how his reasonings because one he's from Japan, but uh, his reasonings behind wanting to make a pink film were kind of what I'm you know what I'm getting at, which is like he he knew that like this was the genre where like you were allowed to talk, say what you want to say um, mm -hmm. and get away with things because they are, these movies are looked down upon. They're like sex films. And ultimately it was a way for people that weren't part of the sort of elite class to get their foot in the door, um, which a lot of Japanese filmmakers have started through this, through this uh, avenue of the pink film. Yeah. Uh, Fred, what's your, what's your history? I mean, obviously you've written about pink films and yeah. seen a plenty of pink films. I follow you on Letterboxd, so I know this. Uh, <laughs> Whoops, uh, okay. <laughs> but uh, what's your history with pink films? What attracts you to pink films? Yeah. All, the, all well, the attraction is, is kind of the same, actually. Mm -hmm. um, 
you know, it's, it's a very interesting, I mean, just from like a historic point of view, it's very interesting, just kind of the, you know, it's the kind of this, the, the, the space it occupied in, in like the, in the film industry and stuff. And, um, and also of course, like obviously the, um, just the aspect of like, um, you know, exploring all these transgressive themes and like also kind of, kind of not being that concerned with like um, commercial viability or, you know, because like the titillation is there. So, you know, you have like a built-in audience or you had at least before like uh, adult video, I guess. But, um, you know, that kind of, it really did open up a really interesting space. And I'm what kind of, what kind of always kind of gets me is just how much stuff you can kind of explore through that avenue. You know, that's what's kind of crazy to me because it's like, you watch a couple of them and you're like, oh, it, it's always, a, you know, it's a lot of them are about, I guess, like, you know, desire or surveillance or, you know, all these, you know, these things. And and then you watch another one. It's like, oh, shit, this is like a whole new thing now. You know, it's like there's it's like endless. You can really just, you know, explore basically anything. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Almost sure. anything, I'm sure. Yeah. What it what. Let me say this. First of all, we're going to talk about music and we're going to go into depth about music. And it's going to be an interesting conversation because how do you talk about a movie like music? Uh, we're, going to, <laughs> we're, going to, we're going to try to uh, tackle that movie. Um, but what I wanted to ask you is more along the lines of, do you think, first of all, do you think music is a pink film? Because after I watched this movie, I was like, this feels like a pink film. I know it's a pink film. Even though it's yeah. even though I'm thinking like I, w I didn't really do my research or my due diligence into my research about this movie, probably enough because I because I'm wondering if this is a Roman porno or if this is a pink mm -hmm. film, because Roman pornos have more have a bigger budget. Right. They were actually right. a bigger budget, big, bigger budgeted. They were still softcore films. But another reason yeah. I say that is because this movie is an hour and 40 minutes and pink films. Right. That's, that's long, you know, not to say that, that there weren't. Long. That's not to say that there weren't pink films that were that pushed that like little over an hour to because I've I've came across a couple, uh, yeah. but I was thinking ha having watched this I, I thought about that like does this not that it matters I'd still talk about this movie regardless but <laughs> yeah what are your thoughts on that do you think do you yeah I was actually wondering the same thing mm -hmm. I, I um I hit up Letterboxd after mm -hmm. watching it. Not many um, people have logged this movie, by the way. No, no, no. It was like like 198. Like, yeah, yeah. That seems yeah. to be a reoccurring thing with me. It's talking about these movies that no one on Letterboxd has watched. <laughs> right. right. Yeah. yeah, but yeah, I don't. I I I was wondering the same thing, but like, I think maybe it's a little light on the titillation mm -hmm. for it to be like a like a you know like a quote unquote traditional. Right. Well, I will but say I, this. I this like, oh, I, sorry. Go ahead. No, I don't have to cut you off, but but uh, I will say this. Not to completely like, you can't spoil a movie like this. But before we yeah. get into the movie, I will say, for me, this is the qualification. This movie falls under a subgenre of a subgenre, which is that is exclusive. Not exclusive, but let's just say that the pink genre specializes in this kind of movie, which is the incest movie, okay? Uh, <laughs> and for whatever, I don't know why that it is a, you know, like when you start to delve into these movies, uh, <laughs> there are certain fetishes uh, that, that they cater to. And one of them is this. 
Um, now we could we can break down why <laughs> we could get into the psychoanalyze why this is a thing in Japanese society or in general, uh, yeah. which we probably will a little bit. Um, but that's what that's what kind of like made me think like this has got to this this definitely qualifies as pink adjacent. I'm not gonna yeah. it's not even if it's not official officially one, it definitely feels a hell of a lot like one outside of you know, like you said, it doesn't it's not as much about the titillation because I can I think just Masamura's not that kind of, you know, that's not what he's interested in. And yeah. um, I think that shows. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean we I mean we we can just like get into into him like for a second because yeah, like, for sure. It's actually interesting. Um uh he has this movie he did like in uh, a couple of years before music. Hmm. It's called Blind Beast and that's one that gets brought up a lot yeah, in like yeah. discussions about like pink yeah. film and stuff. And it's interesting because he basically he saves all the really like like out there stuff. He basically saves for the end, really. You know when they kind of spiral into this weird kind of I don't even you know like I don't even know what to call it. Like in this weird psychosexual kind of you know mm-hmm. thing. So um, so really most of the movie is just like a drama. I mean it's kind of a maybe a you know a little dark, a little twisted maybe, but not really nothing too crazy really but like um it's a lot about articulating this the things that he's interested in you know kind of setting the stage for this for this finale that then kind of descends into this like swirl of you know Mm. desire and and sex and you know i will say this I will say this: Masamura has a few films that have been that I have. Like I have Swastika, which I, I saw you. I think you logged that recently, right? Um, yeah, rewatch yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I still need to get to that. Um, Blind Beast is one of them. Again, it's one of those movies that like I've known about for a minute, been, and I have to watch too. Um, it's that it's the, that's the one with the blind sculptor that kidnaps the girl. Exactly. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Um, the set design is incredible on that one. By the yeah, way. I've noticed like every every time you watch a Massimore movie, that's the thing that immediately stands out is just his eye. You know, his eye is like, yeah. you know, I've seen Irizumi. Um, I have Giants and Toys, which uh, mm-hmm. there's a lot of these. There's a lot of these movies. He's probably known for Hanzo the Razor, by some people. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, he's got a lot of he. He's a I don't know, like he's one of those names that carries a certain kind of weight in 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 the Japanese sort of cinema circles, I guess. Um, but fuck all of that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> let's talk. Let's let's really dive in because I feel like I'm trying to avoid this movie in some way because it's so strange, <laughs> but in a good way. So I'll do what I always do, and I will read uh, the letterbox synopsis for music, and then we'll we'll try to talk about this movie. Um, so here we go. Um, this is the letterbox synopsis. It's not long. <laughs> a young woman. <laughs> undergoes psychiatric treatment after she no longer hears music and develops sexual hangups. Okay. As far as letterbox synopsis goes, uh, I mean, it could be worse. They're, they're pretty hidden. Oh, oh, that's it. Okay. (laughs) That's all. That's it. It's not, it's not long. It's, it's a single sentence. It is about that. Uh, but uh, wow, it's, it's leaving out so much. Um, I will say this, the movie, uh, the main character's name is Rico or Reiko. I, I butcher Japanese pronunciations, even though I hear yeah. them when I listen to the movie. I'm too busy focusing on the subtitles half the time. <laughs> uh, Reiko is is our main character. Uh, we're sort of introduced to her in this very cool looking um, opening sequence of where we see scissors uh, 
opening and closing um superimposed over the screen and then then we see her uh like kind of like nude standing behind the scissors and there's a lot of um there's a lot of themes of castration in this movie um and it's directly tied to scissors um and it's directly tied to not only that but like using scissors to represent not only uh this idea of castration, but also the idea of, uh, of the scissors being representative of a woman, uh, specifically a woman opening her legs up. Um, mm -hmm. And then specifically, you know, what what the visual of, of what what happens when it when it, the legs open and then close, just like a scissors, uh, mm -hmm. give her, you know, give life. Uh, I can also, you know, take life. Uh, uh, I feel like, again, Masamura is one of those guys who's not subtle. Um, in some ways he is, let me, let me not say that. In some ways he is, but in terms of like theme and imagery, there's a lot of like heavy handed sort of like, you know, um, <laughs> there's a lot of heavy handedness um, when it comes to this movie. Um, but I actually feel that it kind of works in this scenario because it's such a strange film. But yeah, we get this, this very uh, interesting opening um, where, where, and then we're sort of thrown into the story. Uh, now Reiko, she goes to see a doctor now, a doctor, a therapist, um, and correct me if I'm wrong, I believe his name is Shio, Shiomi, the doc, Dr. Shiomi. Um, I'm actually not sure, but yeah. I believe that's the name, um, Shiomi. And uh, she's coming, she comes to the doctor, and the first thing that she tells the doctor is is pretty much what we just read, or what I just read in the synopsis, which is she's, she's, not, she's, not a, she's incapable of hearing music, which is a strange affliction off the bat like i'm like what do you mean you can't hear me <laughs> you know what i mean like uh what, what were your thoughts uh fred upon hearing like like what well, she can't hear music did you just kind of think that she was lying because if it does kind of it does kind of throw that like story turn in there where at first she's like she can't hear music and then she says i'm i'm, I'm not like i'm lying but then it turns out no she actually can't hear music <laughs> yeah. i mean yeah oh right right she does <laughs> they do do that yeah but um no actually i i I just took her at her word, honestly, because mm -hmm. like this is too good a setup to just, you know, for it just to be a lie at the end. So yeah. I, I figured she's probably telling the truth in some way she is, you know. Right, right. Yeah, but I was more wondering what I, what I kept wondering was like, what's the significance of like music specifically? Mm -hmm. How does he tie in? Because like you said, like there's an opening with like the scissors and like also there's a there's some degree of like like fusion maybe even you know going on mm -hmm. it's kind of by like her movements kind of sync up with like these scissors like the legs kind yeah, of opening yeah, and closing yeah. and stuff yeah. so, so i was like well how does he how does he how is he going to manage to kind of you know kind of combine those two things bring those two together kind of yeah which, i'm not sure he did actually yeah, I, was gonna ask you, I was literally about to ask you do you think he was successful in combining those two things i mean honestly it's strange because there's a lot of associate it's ironic uh that that the movie opens with her seeing this doctor and he's making her do these free associations. Mm -hmm. And we're sort of kind of doing that with, when you talk about this yeah. movie, there's no way to not make associations yeah. with the, with, with not only the concepts, but the themes and in, in the imagery, like the associations that, that Masamura is, is trying to make uh, with this whole setup. Uh, yeah. But we're introduced to her and she's just telling her doc the, the doctor that she can't hear music. And basically that like she can't feel um, anything when she has sex with her her boyfriend, uh, Agami. Um, 
that basically Agami's the perfect man. You know, she she thinks he's you know she's a, she finds him attractive, all of that shit. But when 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 they have sex, that she just feels absolutely nothing, right? Um, and this is pretty much the crux of of Reiko's problem. And then the movie goes about uh through sort of these sessions with the with the with her therapist um where where you discover more about um why she's the way she is and i've already sort of like already thrown the cat out the bag it has to do with incest um <laughs> uh, incest is definitely um some alternative titles for music which i feel like would pretty much uh would be better would be uh one bad therapy i think that's a good that's a good title. <laughs> bad therapy would be one uh <laughs> another uh alternative title uh might be i'm i'm, I'm just women be crazy uh <laughs> <laughs> women be crazy the movie um uh because it really it really uh it it really just sets you get the sense that this movie is different just by the opening right and then mm -hmm. when you get into this this sort of very standard kind of scene of a a, a, a therapist and a patient um even 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 the way that's set up kind of clues you in that you're you're in the hands of a certain kind of filmmaker yeah um, and i think we talked about this before we started recording uh and you could go ahead and mention this fred you talked about how you looked into masamura being uh pretty much a a i don't know if you want to call them a student necessarily uh or or more <laughs> of a a uh there were certain italian filmmakers well-noted ones fellini being one of them right uh who was a fellini yeah. and who else here antonioni Antonioni, there you go. Who made I think blow up? Wasn't blow up that Antonioni did? The one of the one of the many Antonioni movies. Um, yeah. <laughs> and I feel like um, when you told me that, um, it came as it doesn't really come as any surprise to me. Just 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 when you're seeing visually how this movie uh, is shot, like uh, yeah. even the scenes, like I think the first scene we see is like her in terms of like her because it does this thing which is very common i guess in in film when you have this sort of setup of a patient in a in a doctor or whatever where they're talking the, the patient is 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 relaying this the what happened in, in in their life right and she sort of is telling the doctor which we kind of understand like you can't really take these stories to be completely true but yeah. you have to sort of like parse what what may or may not be true but she's telling yeah. this story about like how she's pretty much it's supposed to be her her first time but it's like she's in in the uh forest with uh some guy who pretty much forces himself on her um yeah and she's like laying in the forest and this man is like it's in the countryside i think somewhere mm -hmm. um and it's like this very traumatic but awkward sort of scene um and you're mm -hmm. like I don't know. Like, what did you think when you saw this? Because <laughs> I'm just like, okay. like this scene specifically. Yeah, this scene specifically. <laughs> I mean, honestly, I was, I was. My thought was, it's crazy how often, like, mm -hmm. um, sexual assault or like rape mm -hmm. is kind of a theme in these movies. You know, like not right. not just not just like pink films or like pink adjacent films, but also. Um, but also like just the Japanese new wave in general, right. which Masamura had kind of a hand in like kind of launching, I guess. Mm -hmm. um, but it's, 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 it's crazy. Like it's such a, it's such a common thing. Like 
it's uh it really is sometimes it really astounds me because like you know of course like that's one of those things that unfortunately is part of real life yeah we, we get that but but it's it kind of does seem to occupy like a very it, it does seem to have like a very big place in like japanese cinema especially of the time mm -hmm. well you know you what know, i like, think you know what i think yeah. about that i think it has to do and i've said this before because i repeat myself a lot but um i think it definitely ties into the honor culture in japan and uh -huh. and and because it is an honor culture right uh to that extent like their obsession with this idea of like uh a woman's uh i mean america is in and of itself has its own puritanical streak and its obsession mm -hmm. with sort of this idea of like uh you know female i don't know uh purity and sort mm -hmm. of like trying to sort of, I mean, I, like literally we had Roe v. Wade overturned. I'm not going to go down, you know, I'm not going to go down yeah. there. Uh, but like we, that's a, that's a reoccurring thing that happens, you know, uh, over, over in the West, but in the East specifically and in Japan, more specifically, uh, this culture of honor really is infused throughout the art that comes out of Japan. And like, I feel like when it comes to these sort of movies that are, that cater to sort of, predominantly let's be honest male audience and they're yeah. predominantly uh you know there to titillate um the obsession with defiling a woman um the decision yeah. of, of of a woman losing her honor or being dishonored i feel like that has to come into play in terms of the psyche of sort of yeah. the japanese in general you know what i mean i think that might that has to have some something to do with it but you're right it is it is sort of uh and maybe this is part of it is because we're in 2023 and we're viewing this through the lens of where we are now over here as a culture, yeah. but seeing these yeah. older films uh, and specifically the films in Japan's like uh, it is a very, it's a stark sort mm -hmm. of like, wow. Like there's a lot of this shit. Like, you know, yeah. uh, you know what I mean? It's, it, there's a whole, yeah. yeah. But, but, it, but kind of at the same time, what's interesting mm -hmm. to me is that like um, Masamura himself he's like he's like most of his like 60s movies or i don't want to say most but like a lot of his 60s movies are kind of about female psychology and like mm -hmm. he, he does treat his female char characters as way more than just like props or just like yeah, yeah. objects to be defiled so it's kind of an interesting kind of contrast mm -hmm. i was actually um I was actually on this, uh, I was a guest on this other podcast called uh, Split Your Head. Split your Shout head. out to yeah, Bob. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and um, we were talking about this too, because there's this um, Sato film called um, uh, Lolita Vibrator Torture. Oh, Lolita Vibrator Torture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and, you know, that's like probably one of his like darkest yeah. films ever, because it's like, it's just incredibly grim and like incredibly, they just like, you know, hard to watch mm -hmm. but at the same time you know because of these like sexual assault scenes and and you know torture and murder scenes but at the same time it is kind of it is kind of incredible how much like you know we can't we kind of we kind of tested the limits here of the discourse you know kind yeah, of especially yeah, yeah. like guys you know yeah, talking right, about right, like right, right. Things, but, <laughs> yeah, yeah. but um but but um it was kind of interesting that he kind of took it into into you know into like a direction that was that you i think could view almost as like you know liberatory in a way because she does actually stand up to mm. she collaborates with the torture with the guy who tortures her and like she kind of you know it is kind of this like 
blurring of like consent and non-consent and like Mm -hmm. but she does kind of she does kind of end up in a spot where she is actually the one who calls the shots and like Mm -hmm. she gets her way at the end so you know it is kind of like he is kind of blurring that line but he's you know on the one hand he is using it to kind of you know show you these like really vicious scenes of you know like all kinds of abuse but on the other hand he's he's not just be you know his focus is clearly on her on her pain but also on her kind of moving beyond that right right and i feel like Masumura is kind of a is um it's kind of a similar deal with him because like if you look at manji or um you know irizumi it is very much about the women in that film yeah you know men figure into it obviously but it, it is about the women like his his focus is on them and on them as more than just, um, you know, sex objects or right. he's victims really, or whatever. You know, he's really definitely like diving into the psyche of these women characters that he yeah. that he depicts. Like it's definitely, um, like I said before, like he's he's overt with it. Like it because he's literally and I and I, I I'm me making putting together uh, associations like with her therapist and I, and I'm like, think about, I'm thinking about that dynamic where like, I'm, I'm doing weird things, maybe borderline autistic things where, where it's like, <laughs> I'm looking at the, the, the name therapist and like, it's like the, the rapist, like, and putting those, yeah. connect, because, and it may sound like off to like jump to those sort of points, but, but when you watch this movie, it's like, nah, man, this, he's the type of filmmaker that he's doing these kind of things. Like, like yeah, yeah, he's yeah. making these sort of like overt associations, not only are the characters doing the free associations, but he as a filmmaker is yeah. doing those kind of things. Like, and he's putting that on you he's too. Putting that on, yeah, right. He's putting yeah. these things in front of you and sort of like on full display and like yeah. putting it out there where, where like, you know, this idea of like R- Rico, her hysteria, which she's diagnosed with, and her frigidness, which she's also diagnosed yeah. with, right? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so hysteria and frigidness, like these are things that these are things that a woman, uh, you know, uh, historically have been accused of. You know what I mean? Like you know, mm-hmm. women being frigid or women having being hysterical. Like we've all heard heard those sort of uh, kind of uh, criticisms of, of, of yeah. sort of like boilerplate criticisms of women you know what yeah, I'm saying? That's, yeah. that's why when i made that like joke about women be crazy the movie you know that's kind of what i was what i was hinting at because this movie yeah. definitely like goes directly towards the, that kind of like criticism of like why why a woman would be you know viewed a certain way um okay. and to be fair like Rayeko is a fucked up person like um but she has reasons to be fucked up you know yeah. what i mean like sure like, for sure you get to the through, the through this movie you're like oh wow like uh and also you know shout out to uh agami because ogami like uh i would have bailed bro <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the red flags was going crazy and he's just like i'm gonna be right here <laughs> like, i'm gonna be right here with you uh so agami's a writer they always talk about you know a woman being a writer but uh <laughs> <laughs> but your boy agami was like i'm gonna try to stick this out i'm like i don't know if that's the best wisest choice but he he went with it um but another thing that i thought was kind of um, <laughs> another thing that i thought was kind of funny uh is the is the doctor um dr shiomi's methods right um mm-hmm. because i think 
we're so uh, inundated, especially if you're online, like if you're terminally online, like me, I don't know if you're terminally online or not, Fred. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, enough said. Um, for the terminally, for the terminally online of us out there, uh, we get so familiarized with soda with sort of these sort of uh, pop psychology term, you know, pop psychology terms and shit, and a lot of like I call it like social work speak uh, has become <laughs> part of the discourse, so people know about all yeah. these terms, you know, like you know, gaslighting and uh, you know, bodies and spaces and all the stuff that gets thrown around on yeah. the internet, you know, one size fits all and sort of like, yeah. but it's funny to watch a movie like this. And be familiar with some of these like ideas in a way that are just very like surface level or even deeper where you're watching the therapist and his methods and you're like, yo, like a big part of a therapist, from my understanding, is like a big part of going to therapy is is that you're talking about your trauma. And it's the therapist's job to be careful to not re-traumatize you. And I feel right. like uh, Dr. Shiomi's whole goal is to re re-traumatize. Right? <laughs> I'm like, bro, like his method is just, it's like, this is going to like, this is a movie. Okay. I get it. This is a movie, but this, yeah, yeah. this is not the way you go about curing. And <laughs> curing yeah. somebody. Uh, uh, but like, he's, there's definitely like some degree of like, the, you know, the kind of the, the, the medical gaze kind of going on because he's just like, he's very much interested in her as just like, as, as like a problem that needs solving. Right. You don't right. sense a lot of empathy. Yeah. He sense a little bit of it. Like he's not a monster, but you know, his, <laughs> It's, he just had kind of like an like an you know this case could make my career you know kind of vibe to him yeah. you know almost you know like I don't know like he's definitely like some of the stuff like was definitely sketchy like for sure yeah I think um it's funny because it's it's one of those it's one of those things where I'm just like he has a he has this like clinical approach like to this whole problem right like mm. this whole problem that that uh uh that i don't even know like i felt like he he i got the sense at first because i was worried about this i don't know and you, you tell me if you were too i was kind of worried as i was watching this that like he was gonna like use this doctor patient relationship yeah in a way that was yeah. like he was gonna take advantage of her and it never went yeah. there it never yeah. went there, but yeah. didn't you get that sense? Because it kind of, like you said, he kind of had this removed sort of demeanor. And like the whole time I'm like, I don't know if I can trust this guy. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? I, I never, I never trust the men in these like pink film <laughs> things. Like I never trust them because they always turn out to be like some sort of creep. Some like, like, you know, if they're not murderers, they're like abusers or rapists or something like it feels like this, that's always kind of where it, <laughs> where they take things so you know i was definitely distrustful of him but, but, yeah, but like, we, like like to my surprise like turns out he actually wasn't that bad like compared yeah. to like others he was actually pretty good i mean i i again like you're right when you watch enough of these movies like that's the first thing you you just you just become accustomed to like every every person is potentially a a piece of shit or like or like some <laughs> sort of like monster on some level um and he actually never he was literally the he's the sort of authority figure uh in this movie and he remains that all the way to the end uh, even when he's forcing uh rico to relive her trauma uh <laughs> in order to cure her um it's just funny because 
as 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 she continues to go back to the doctor to move the story along and she she explains this problem with her with her partner Igami and we start to get uh there's a series again we we saw the first flashback where she's talking about like her I guess I don't know if that was supposed to be her first time where she's basically sexually assaulted by this guy uh but then then it shows when she's describing how she's not satisfied at all because she can feel nothing with when she's with Agami. It, sh- it literally shows that because again, this is like I said, pink adjacent, if it's not overtly a pink film, shows that scene. And she's there, she's just kind of laying there um, on the bed. And Agami notices that like what, what he's doing is having zero effect on her. She's pretty much stiff as a board. And, and then, you know, he gets upset. Right. Um, and she, I think she says, you know, uh, you know, I love you because he's like, you, you, you hate me. And he's like, well, no, no, I don't hate you. And he's like, well, why doesn't it make you feel good or whatever? And, and you, you're introduced to this whole like dilemma of like, you know, he's, he feels that like he, I think he even asked her, like, do I lack as a man? And she's like trying to reassure him. And w- which is funny because there's, there's a certain point in this movie where she com- is a complete like asshole to him. <laughs> like, but at this point <laughs> where when you see it, she's, she's like completely like, no, she wants to make this work with him, even though like, this is a, a clear problem um where she she's her frigidness that that is a clinical diagnosis apparently it's a frigidness uh her frigid her frigidness is 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 why she's uh here uh to see this doctor and um the movie sort of the movie sh- sort of kind of just it feels like one artful therapy session um <laughs> that's also like sleazy a little bit like yeah, a, little, yeah. a sleazy artful kind of therapy session mm-hmm. uh mm-hmm. um yeah i'm really it's really hard for me to like explain how this movie um it's one of those movies where like i i completely understand like why this movie's appealing to me but yeah. i don't i cannot could never sell this to anyone. I could never sell this, right? Right. Like, how could you sell this movie? It's not a movie that you can sell to people. You already have to I mean, be on this movie. If somebody right. reads a lot of Freud or something, maybe right. you could, you know, right, kind, of right. them, kind of use that as an angle to kind of get them interested. But I mean, I, I think what's interesting. I mean, first of all, um, about, about that that scene in the woods where she gets assaulted, mm. and the scene with her in bed with her uh, boyfriend, mm. um. It is interesting that those scenes do kind of mirror each other. Like her expression is kind of blank and she's not moving. So there is kind of an element there that kind of, I think he's inviting us to kind of make some parallels there. I think. Yeah. Oh, yeah, That's I like one thing. I'm, no, no, yeah. I think you're, I think you're onto something with that, Fred. I definitely get the sense that he, w- he was too. Uh, also, I will say um, there's a moment, and I don't know if you remember this moment, where after she's like, after we see the scene with her and Nagami in the, in the bed, um, where she, to get back onto like this idea of like the doctor being potentially like going to take advantage of, of, of the sort of doctor patient dynamic, like where she grabs the doctor's arms and says, make me feel something doctor, right? And at that, that right, again, right. that's that moment where you're like, oh shit, this is, yeah, this can go anywhere, it's pink film. Yeah. <laughs> or, so, but then he like, that's when he like, take pulls himself away from her and he says mm-hmm. uh you're a bad patient like you know what i mean like and at that point you're like oh okay like again like i kept thinking though i kept thinking like is 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 is, is Musmur like 
playing. And again, I know he's playing with the audience's expectations, probably. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm assuming he knows the type of movie this is. So I'm assuming that was intentional. You got to just assume that all of the shit's intentional. Like you said, the parallels there, the mirroring, you have to assume yeah. all of the shit's intentional because it just feels so overt and everything else about it is overt. Even like the yeah. way that they, you know, um, do the the outright psychoanalyst of Reiko for us, where like the doctor yeah. just knows, he knows when she's lying, you know what I'm saying? No, no, yeah. no, yeah. you're lying. You went and did that, you know what I mean? Like he, he's like yeah. so on the money. Because you know, well, it's it's written. It's like <laughs> like he's like I mean, it, it does feel it does feel like the 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 doctor is kind of collaborating with Masamura in some way. Because like, <laughs> right, right. You know, he's, he's like he's he's not really pushing her where it's healthiest. He's kind of pushing her where it's most interesting for us to kind of. That's that's the metatextual. So yeah, that's the metatextual. Yeah, that's the metatextual reading of the film. Where could I take this? What would be cool to kind of see in a cinema? You know. Oh, but, well, that this. Like, do you think? Do you think that? Do you think that? Uh, that the doctor is is a stand-in for Masamura. Yeah, that, that, that was actually you know having I mean? this thought out as yeah, I was talking. Right, like, right. I I mean, think sure, why not? Why yeah, not? there is a way you can watch this movie and really think like, okay, yes, the doctor is the director. Like, um, and yeah. let's just go down. We're gonna every time she's trying to divert. He's like, no, 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 yeah. no, no. Back on the interesting shit. Like, yeah, right. No, right. don't go there. We could go here because it's pink. We're not going to do that, though. We're going to go back to the weird <laughs> shit where it's interesting. Yeah. Like, the whole movie feels that way. Like, um, yeah. he, even his methods of, like, getting her to do the free associations. And, and and then every time she lays back and she's like, he's like, tell me what's on your mind. And she starts to tell these stories. He catches her when the story gets a little too strange. She's like, you're lying. Like, you know what yeah. I mean? Like, like yeah. some of that might be true, but you're lying. Like, you know what yeah. I mean? I know why you're not lying. Let's get it back on, you know, let's get it back on track. Um, and it happens over and over again. Like she, when she's talking about Shun, right? Now Shun's this little boy that she grew up with. That's like her, she's, the subtitles say her childhood fiance, which is strange. Uh, yeah. but, you know, there's a lot of strange shit going on. But you see this scene <laughs> of the little her as a little girl. Um, and she walks up, she's walking by herself. And that's when Shun, this little boy, uh, again, the, the one that she's supposed to marry when she gets older, he like, uh, more or less, I think he like, they're, they're playing a game, right? Like where, where like he grabs her and like makes her play this game with these other little boys, right? Yeah. And like- Rock, paper, scissors. Rock, actually. paper, scissors is first, right? Like, and but the yeah. loser, but I think the loser, the, the, it has to get, the wording is cut their thing off. So again, yeah. castration, scissors, yeah. reoccurring theme over and over. Yeah. So like literally the boy has a pair of scissors and the, all the boys are doing the rock, paper, scissors, including her. She's the only little girl there uh, yeah. in, amongst these boys. And she loses. And of course, there's a scene where the little boy, like it doesn't show it, thankfully, because that would be sick. But I mean, yeah. it's still <laughs> creepy enough because these are child actors, but yeah, but, yeah. But it's shot innocently enough. But he he basically pulls her pants down. We don't see anything, people. It's not that kind of movie. I wouldn't MAS does not endorse that shit. But but pulls her pants down and then they make the comment like she you don't have you don't have she doesn't have of course she doesn't have it's already cut off, I think he right. said. He this. says it's already cut off. Like, right, she doesn't yeah. she, Right. So and then he says, I think that he says something that like hurts her. I think it's like she'll, it'll never grow back. Right. Like, right. Right. Never right. had one. It'll never grow back. It's cut off. And then she's like, yeah. sad. and then the boys go playing rock, paper, scissors by themselves again, which is kind of strange because it's like, wait a minute. So is the game continue without her? Are they literally going to cut 
one of their little boy dicks off. Like, whoa, whoa, yeah. what's happening? And also, I'm wondering, how does one person lose in a game of rock, paper, scissors with, with like five other people? Right, right. It's it's it like, how does that how does that even work? But but here's the thing though, it, it doesn't work, but the movie plays on such a dream logic kind of way when it yeah. comes to these flashback scenes and yeah. and there's such an unreliable narrator at in, in Reiko. Cause like again, like there are stories that she tells that like the doctor accepts at first when she tells him, but then later on is like, I know you're not, I know this isn't true. Like, you know, I know yeah. you were I know you were saying this, but this isn't true. Uh, but yes, this is a very weird scene where it's the first sort of uh, introduction outside of the intro to the scissors, right? And yeah. then we see her like after this sad because she lost the game of, of of rock, paper, scissors and she's by herself cutting scissors with construction paper, right? And she's as she's cutting the different yeah. colors of construction paper and she's she's cutting them out. Um, there's this whole, it, it, it cuts from her being a kid to her being older you know, I don't know yeah. how much older, but it's the same actress at this point. You know what I mean? She's got big yeah. clothes on, so I assume she's a little bit younger. But she's yeah, still yeah. in the room, <laughs> still cutting, cutting these uh, pieces of construction paper up, and she's doing it very obsessively. And you get—I yeah. mean, it's very overt. Like it's—it's it's like yeah. what she's doing with this cutting. And this movie's adjacent. I, I think this movie's kind of like a horror movie in a weird way. Um, I feel like Blind Beast is probably the same way, where it's like yeah. it kind of feels like this horror adjacent um yeah shout yeah, out, yeah. Shout out to, to 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 uh to me shout out to myself for using the word adjacent a million times in this podcast yeah, right. uh but <laughs> uh uh but yeah she's like cutting up uh, there's again like I, I don't know did you did you know this did you get the significance of her like uh specifically when she starts to cut up the paper that looks like the sky right yeah um and she's so, like going straight up, cutting through like yeah. Right? It's like it's like a roll that's kind of yeah, yeah. Kind of coming down, and then her scissors just keep cutting up, up, up. It's that the sky I is actually, torn apart. It's like a visual, right? Thing. Exactly. Yeah. That actually reminded me of a of a of a, a um, Kiyoshi Kurosawa film, like the mm -hmm. crack in the wall. Um, I'm I'm trying to remember the name. It's like a it's like a ghost story. Um, it's not Retribution. I forget the name. Maybe it is Retribution mm -hmm. actually. But there's like a shot of like a crack in the wall and like these hands, the hands reaching out, out kind of yeah, yeah. reminded me of that kind of. Yeah, but, it's, de it's definitely a, a, you can tell like this is again, someone who's uh, Fellini kind of like, uh, I don't know, like yeah. one of those kind of Italian surrealist kind of imagery kind of shit where it's yeah, like. Yeah. The and also Go ahead. And there's, a, there's also um, his, his second film is the Blue Sky Maiden. With, mm -hmm which has like a very prominent, like, you know, kind of uh, kind of the imagery of like blue skies is recurring in that movie too. Right. And, um, and also um, I think what's interesting, even more interesting than the sky opening up is actually what's the bull in this crack, yeah, the yeah, bull yeah, yeah, with yeah, like yeah. Uh, the, yeah. the dicks for horns. Right. right? The, there's a bull. Yeah. He, she cuts open. You see like she cuts open this paper with the sky, the sky's torn open. And like you said, a bull emerges from the darkness of this, <laughs> you know this basically this crack if you want to call it one, yeah. um this tear in the sky and it's a bull and then we notice that the horns and she even says this to the therapist that like he its horns it looks like dicks like it's, it has like dildo yeah. horns, for, for lack of a better word like and it's a it's a funny image uh <laughs> what did you okay what was your reaction when you saw when you saw this because also let me say this again castration imagery 101 because we look at the one horn and then you see the scissors closing and shutting in front of it. 
Like, yeah, right. Stop it all. <laughs> Again, like this theme of castration, which ties back in. All of this is so thought out because, um, and I'll let you answer the question that I asked you. Yeah. <laughs> but further and down in the movie, when we actually really understand what what happened to her, uh, there's this notion of the reasons why Reiko uh, can't hear music and the reasons why Reiko uh, can't feel pleasure is because the central thesis of this movie is basically this woman's hysteria and her frigidness is a way to protect her uterus. Um, <laughs> like straight up overt text. They say that shit. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know what I'm saying? Says it out loud. The doctor yeah, says, says it, it out loud, loud. right? But, but, yeah. but, but this theme of like, and in, in, in the doctor and in, in Rico comes to realize like, oh, it's because of this guilt that she has with this incestuous relationship or this incestuous desire that she has for her brother. Um, which again, people, you can't ruin this movie. We're going to talk about it. Non-linear is going to go all over the place. So, <laughs> but uh, this, this, I, there's this concept that's presented to us, the audience, which is that Rico, uh, for, for lack of uh, better words, the reasons that she only derives pleasure or is able to hear music or feel anything is when she's with a man who is we we discover this who's impotent or hurt or dying right yeah and her reasons for that like that that idea of again ties back to the idea of castration the visual images of castration she she can only feel a certain kind of way amongst castrated men be it yeah even if they're not literally castrated they are emotionally castrated they're castrated for whatever reasons they're impotent for whatever reasons right mm -hmm. um so it all ties back and even, even, uh, yeah. but go, go, go ahead. Uh, what was your thoughts about the bull, the bull thing when you first saw it? Sorry, Fred. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. <laughs> it's interesting what you were saying though, because like the bull is kind of like a, is kind of like a, a symbol of like masculinity, you know, like male masculinity or like potency. Yeah, know? potency. Because they have bulls, you know, they say they put like the, I don't know, it's an urban legend. They put like bull semen in Red Bull. Is that real? <laughs> I don't, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, it is real. Taurine is derived from that, so, so I thought, right? Some shit like that, right? Yeah, I, I actually have no idea. I, I mean, I've, I've heard it. To think it I, don't is, know, I don't know how true that is. People, I'm not, this is not a science podcast. Yeah, <laughs> it's not. No, I've it's heard, not. I've heard things, you know, I, I've heard things, uh, but but you're right. The bull, there's again, purposeful imagery. There's a reason yeah. that there's a bull there for sure. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, at yeah, but um, I mean, yeah. So, so that, so that's one thing, and um, the other is kind of the bull is kind of it is kind of a jarring thing because the the movie with for all its craziness, it is kind of grounded in a way. You know, it's not like it's nothing I would describe as fantastical or anything. And this bull kind of ruptures that like groundedness, kind of because yeah. it is kind of it is kind of creepy. <laughs> but it's also kind of hokey when, once you get a good look at it and once yeah, you see the yeah. dicks it's over i mean you know it's like that's, <laughs> that's kind of you know but um but i think it also ties into this um you know what i said earlier about um about like things also kind of fusing together you know like the the scissors becoming part of like her um you know her her body or like the female body maybe right. and yeah uh, but uh, also the horn kind of one of his horns, one of his dick horns kind of becomes like one leg of a or one uh, one arm of a scissor. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And yeah. later on. So you have that 
you have that thing going on again where kind of the things come together. And also, literally, in this, when this bull scene happens, immediately following that, she's describing the dream that she has where her legs, we see her legs are scissor blades. Right. Right. Which which is a very, very crude effect, but it works because it's a dream dream logic kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. Where you see her, she's wearing like a dress, a skirt, whatever. Kind of looks like one of those, you know, school uniforms, Japanese. Yeah. I think it is actually. And she's like, yeah, she's in that uniform and you see her like polishing these two scissor blades like yeah and it's a very it's a very interesting kind of surreal you know um, even though it's clearly just her kneeling and they put some metal blades there it's still right right (laughs) works on that level right like and she's talking about how she's like obsessing about her grandma gave her some sort of oil to make sure to clean her scissors because she's like right but which ties back to this idea of like uh keeping her her chaste or 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 like a woman's uh the way women are sort of like given sort of things to you know by their by other women to sort of like uh upkeep themselves for Mm -hmm. the potential suitor or you know what i mean like this it's all all tied up and i think even after that scene is shown it cuts back to uh her in the in the sort of the one of those chair deals that they have in sort of uh, the therapist for some reason, Fred, I don't have language and words, correct. <laughs> but, uh, you know, like the couch that one of those, she has like that therapist style couch, but she's, yeah. in, she's in there and she's crossing her legs back and forth. Like right. when she's talking to the, to the doctor um, yeah. again, mirroring. Yeah. Over and over again. Right. And a lot that, of that going on. It's all yeah, over. It. Yeah. Because I think, I think the thing was, she said that the, the, that the oil was a present. And that like mm. her scissors would never rust with it. Yeah. Right, when, exactly. when I thought about that, I was like, her scissors. We're not right. talking about scissors here. <laughs> we're not talking about we're talking, we're talking about her vagina. You know what I'm saying? Like that that is you know what I'm saying? This shit is not subtle, people. Like it doesn't take a yeah. fucking expert in like you don't have to go to, to college and get a degree in psychology to see what's going on here. No, <laughs> like, no, 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 no. You know what I'm saying? And then it goes after this scene, right? Um, after we see this. She, this is the first mention that uh, I think she describes a summer night with her aunt when she stayed in the mountains. Yeah. And like uh, aunt's house, I think. Yeah. Right. And again, this scene, we this is the first time we see the scene because she describes it as a young man sneaking in and she's yeah. watching as this young man sneaks in to see her aunt and he strips down and, and they start to have sex. Um, and she's, she's recalling this memory, um, which will come, which does come back. Um, but when she when she recalls it the first time, it's only this lurid memory that she kind of has from childhood with her aunt, with some guy, right? Yeah. Um, and when we go back to it with more details and more specificity, we understand it through a totally different lens at that point. But it is a weird scene, um, and it's a voyeuristic scene, right? Um, but it's also one that ties into some something that I found that is a reoccurring um, thing. It's, it's, I brought this up in several other episodes, too. And uh, I don't know if you're aware of this, uh, of this Japanese custom um, where the like it's usually in small villages, which she went to a small village in the mountains. And I think she's originally from there. Right. Before she went to school in Tokyo. But there's a custom where young men would come at sneak in at night to see women. Um, It's explored in other movies like Village of Doom explored this whole this whole phenomenon, this concept. Um, But I've, I've seen it reoccurring in different you know, Japanese movies. And I kind of, I don't know if, are you familiar with this 
Fred no, actually, yeah, it yeah, wasn't. Yeah. No. It's a very, it's a very interesting. Uh, I should look at, I should look up the name. I've, I mentioned this, I, I mentioned this before um, when I talked about Village of Doom, uh, that this, this, uh, this, this custom of young, it's, it's like a, a courting ritual where like young people typically would just go see women for, uh, you know, this is how they would, they would have sex, but then they would say nothing about it. You know, right. this is how they would court, court each other. It was, it's weird. Like. I'm trying yeah. to remember the name of it. For those who don't know, listen to the Village of Doomed episode uh, where I talk a little bit more about this. Um, but I just find that kind of shit. I just I just find that kind of shit uh, fascinating on on just a, a custom kind of like, uh, I don't know, like because I'm so westernized, my brain is. Um, yeah, I'm yeah. so used to sort of the weird shit that goes on over here. Um, when I see weird shit from other places, I'm like, oh, wow, they got their own weird shit. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but after this scene where she describes, uh, to get back on track, uh, where she describes this this late night uh, hookup with her that she oversaw with her aunt, um, we're back at the office, but we, for the first, uh, uh, I think Agami comes in. She's already left. And Agami comes in and he's like mad at the doctor. Right. And he's literally like, yo, like, you need to stop seeing my 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 woman. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. this is like your analysis and treatment is not it's no bueno, dog. Like, it's not like, like <laughs> this shit is not good. And he's like, what are you talking? The doctor's playing it cool. You know, he's professional. He's like, whatever. Dog. Yeah, yeah. But he's like, he, he he has Rico's diary. And he's like, you know, this you call this professional analyst, you know, and, uh, and he, he opens it and he reads like this passage, which is like she, she describes it as like the like the doctor had her lie down and he stroked her body, his hands went yeah. on her breast and she had so much fun and he was caressing yeah. my body and all this shit. And then like, you know, he's getting visibly like upset while he's reading this to the doctor, right? And she's talking about my excitement, it made me moan. So he's like, what is all of this about? Is this like, I think he says, is this a, a, an erotic novel or a film? Like, yeah, yeah. aren't you ashamed of yourself as a doctor? Yeah. I mean, the, the doctor's just like, yeah, listen, man, like, I'm not going to stop treating her, like, which is a crazy yeah. response. Like, it's like, you know, like, I'm not going to stop treating her. Like, you know, it's like, she, until her, her hysteria is cured. Yeah, right. <laughs> but that's when he's, and he can, like, so at, at, Agami's like, at this point, he's like, yo, you want to fight? Like, more or less. But his yeah. his assistant like jumps in the woman, and she's yeah, she like, gets all up in his face. Right. Like, she's like it's all up in his face. Her little penciled on eyebrows, like yo, like. Yeah. <laughs> and she's like, "Isn't your woman frigid? Like you know she's not, <laughs> right? Like basically, like how could she feel this if she can't? She's here for her frigidness. <laughs> like, right, again, right. This movie, another alternative title is HIPAA violations. Uh, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if they have that confidentiality uh, in in the seventies and in Japan or whatever doctor patient confidentiality. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I just watch the movies, people. I don't know. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. So like he sits down and he's like starts to be like yeah you know what the doctor and and they, he starts to like talk some sense into him more or less. He calm Igami calms down, you know, and he, the doctor asks him like you know you want her to be cured. And Agami's like, yeah, of course, you know, I want to, I want to satisfy her. I want to make her feel good, you know, but you know, um, he has that far off look in his face, like, but I have no chance. It's very like, you know, yeah. uh, stagey, actory kind of way, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, and he says like, basically, if you cure her, then you're going to get, you know, then you'll get married. Right. And he's like, yes, I will as soon as possible. And then the doctor's like, well, just, just leave it to me. I got this. Like, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm the mechanic, you know, that's what I do. Yeah, yeah, right, <laughs> I right. fix shit, uh, which I, at this point I'm like, I don't know, though. like, you know what I mean? Whatever. We're going to go with it. <laughs> yeah. 
but what happens is a little bit he gets there eventually but it there's a there's some detours that happen in between. there's, a, there's <laughs> definitely some detours i mean so, you, go ahead you know you know what's you know it's funny because like um <laughs> i mean just hearing the stuff that happens in this movie out loud again it's just like it's i just saw it but it's still like damn that really happened yeah it's pretty crazy when you say it out loud it's more it's really crazy because i was thinking about it like oh, this movie's really crazy <laughs> yeah but so, you know i think actually what's interesting to me is um the uh you know we were we were kind of talking about like uh the um kind of the indecipherability maybe a little bit of some of the things that are going on mm-hmm. and um but at the same time kind of the lack of subtlety like a scene like that really illustrates that because it's just like a guy bursting into an office and getting in someone's face really you know so it's right. like so, you know it, it, there is kind of an interesting dichotomy but like mm-hmm. i think actually um thinking about it like there's there's actually two things that can kind of help maybe contextualize what's what he's doing here because like one thing is um what you were saying earlier about like you know like no subtlety and also the the kind of stagey actory kind of thing that's going on i mean masamura is kind of a melodrama director yeah at the yeah, end of the day. yeah like he goes weird to weird places and he go you know and he does all this like psychosexual stuff but like these are melodramas to some degree like like um the blue sky maiden is definitely a melodrama like in the vein of like you know ozu or like um narusa or or, or um people like that and same goes even for something that's like more transgressive for like you know um manji or you know um manji aka swastika which is a crazy AKA swastika yeah, <laughs> you're prominent swastika which is yeah yeah you're like you know, yeah at first you do kind of a double take like wait what <laughs> has nothing to do with any like what are you no saying? no no it's like a buddhist it's like a buddhist <laughs> yeah yeah so, you forget that buddhism yeah. is that that symbol too i mean hitler really fucked that up for for buddhists like for yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. like he really fucked that up though uh yeah. the swastika you can't reclaim it at this point but yeah but manji yeah. Sorry, sorry to divert you fred go ahead no 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 you're good you're good and uh, i think also the same goes for red angel to some to to some extent but you know th- these are these are these are to some degree these are melodramas so he has that kind of sensibility so he brings that sensibility to to even something like this to music or you know blind beast even to some it is kind of it does have kind of this um it does have kind of this undercurrent of like melodrama where it is kind of like relationship drama is kind of you know and also i think also in the way that people kind of interact with each other because it is kind of like you know if you contrast this with someone like uh i don't even i don't even know like rasan or someone you know like he's like the the exact opposite like his his actors his models quote-unquote models they're kind of just like you know they're kind of half dead almost they're kind of like limping through the scene kind of really dejected like yeah and like you know this is kind of like the exact opposite but it exists in this in this you know in this art house context you know you're you're right that's a good point because specifically the the lead act the lead actress uh who plays reiko like her performance is the most like like uh she's always extra like you know what i mean like yeah. <laughs> like every yeah. scene she's extra but it works in 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 it in totally her, works to, totally to her works. character because again this this is a woman who's supposed to have you know hysteria and and just yeah. uh, and i feel like um this 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 performance definitely you, you're familiar with the book uh, was it house of psychotic women or 
or uh, what's that book on Fab Press? I think it's called The House of Psychotic Women. I'm not familiar now. Um, it's a very I think I think it's Fab Press. I think that's the name of the book. I, if I'm if I'm wrong, I can Google it because I have a laptop in front of me. Um, <laughs> but uh, let me see here, The House of Psychotic Women. I feel like um, this would be a perfect movie to 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 go to that to be an addition to this book. They they uh, mm. they update this book too. I think there was a recent update of this book. House. Uh, oh. Like, you're not familiar with this? No, no, I don't think I have. It's uh, it's called uh, for those who want to read it, it's called uh, House of Psychotic Women, um, an autobiography, or an or it, what does it say here? An autobiographical. Let me read the whole title for people. I think it's on Amazon, but it, it might be out of print, which means that it's probably a million dollars. Uh, <laughs> it's no, it's fifty dollars. House of Psychotic Women an autobiographical topography of female neurosis and horror in exploitation films. And uh, yeah. it's by Kira La Janice. I don't know if you're familiar with this book, but um, uh, yeah. I feel like if this, if this it's probably not in this book for sure. It's probably not, um, yeah. <laughs> but it should be like, you know what I mean? But just based on like yeah. uh, the types of movies that this, that this, um, that this book talks about and the types of topics this is like a perfect candidate for it because uh yeah for sure it really is like as the movie uh unfolds you really her neurosis is just it 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 like it starts at like high it starts at yeah. like an eight and then it's like a 10 and then yeah. it goes to like 20 <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah, like, like your doubles like you're higher than 10 yeah double uh, but as you, as, as we delve deeper into her trauma, um, via the doctor, uh, it's like all of this stuff is coming out. Um, and as it's coming out, she's rebelling, like she's doubling down on all the things that she's, uh, been doing before she even came to see the doctor. Um, and ultimately, uh, when he calls her out about lying, about hearing music, uh, because she says that she can't, and then she then she says, "No, it's just I'm just uh, unable to feel anything with my with with my boyfriend." Um, yeah. But he literally pulls a radio out, yeah, playing <laughs> classical music, and he asks her, "What is it? Like, what is it? You can hear music. What is it? Is it classical or is it jazz?" And right. She, she picks jazz, and of course, yeah. it's wrong. It's classical music, and he's like, "I caught you. You know what I mean? Like, you're lying again. Like, uh, <laughs> and, and she's just." At that point, you know, she is caught in a lie and she has this interesting sort of look on her face where where it's almost like that of a of a child that gets caught. Like, yeah. um, which which tracks with her performance, because a lot of this is about delving into sort of the trauma that you have during your childhood and how it manifests itself in adulthood and creates your issues you know what i mean like uh this is a therapy movie people uh <laughs> um so at this point though when she's confronted with this right you know the doctor was you know basically trying to say that like the music i think he says like it it has something to do with her consciousness right and yeah. her consciousness and her guilt right and then he shows her like the these drawings the pictures that he drew i guess that were based on her dreams Right. And about how she's always like the scissors. Right. And how she thinks of scissors. Yeah. Uh, and it's one of it is like a, it's like a chalk drawing and it shows her naked. But like one leg is a scissor and like right. the other handle is like over her breast. And then it shows yeah. the bull like we were talking about the bull head. One horn is a dick. 
The other horn is the part half of the scissor. Um, yeah. Uh, which you know the doctor did a pretty good rendering of 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 the, <laughs> the of the drawing. Very helpful. Yeah. Very helpful to kind of illustrate the literally illustrate kind of. Yeah, he's like, he's like on here. you're right. He's like literally explaining to the audience and to her exactly what her problem right. is. Like, like he could open her brain up and see exactly like listen, like again, like it's a computer problem. He's a mechanic. You remember, like he's yeah, not a yeah. he's a doctor. He knows exactly what the problem is, just like when you go get your car fixed. You know what I mean? Like it's, right, it's, right. You know, listen, you need new brake pads, uh, you know, <laughs> like your rotors are fucked <laughs> up. But he's basically he's describing he's like the scissors are like uh are are cutting and and are, and are being cut at the same time, which again, was we, we talked about earlier, this idea of like the scissors being both a representation of male and female, uh, mm. not only like sex drive, but genitalia and, and, and uh, also male and female um, impotence. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, again, there's a lot of shit going on here. Uh, there's, it makes you question like the kind of like psyche of the person who came up with music um, right. <laughs> which like, interestingly <laughs> is uh is um famous novelist mm. yukio mishima because mm. it was based on one of his stories right yeah mishima yeah, yeah which when you know that is mishima it makes perfect sense <laughs> it, it, kind of, it always kind of falls you know, <laughs> right, right, right. Right. You, crazy you, you let the cat out the bag there friend i was like yeah it's mishima people <laughs> I mean, I just had to drop it. Like, I was so anxious to get it out there. I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the reason why we have to question this, like, is like, it's Mishima. He wrote it. So, yeah, yeah it says everything. We're, and I think it, is, you could... it is kind of the skeleton key here because, like, mm. um, I mean, for one, you have a kind of this, um, you have this unreliable narrator mm -hmm. and you have this, like, really, um, what's the word? It's kind of like a solipsistic kind of obsession with, with the mind, you know, kind of yeah. really lost in all these things. And, like, and um yeah and, and, and i don't know there's like there's just like this this kind of the obsessive nature of kind of the uh, this like psychological exploration because like there's always this like you know this is something in his books too like where you kind of um where like characters we just become obsessed with like with like this some idea or something that represents some other thing mm -hmm. so you know it's, you know, at first I was like, wow, they're really laying it on thick with yeah. these sisters here. But you know, then you kind of figure like, wait, no, that actually makes perfect sense because it's probably all over the story, which I haven't read. Or is yeah. it a novel? I don't even know. It's yeah. Like, yeah. I, it's it, it's yeah, an interesting, so. it's an interesting sort of, uh, as someone who is writing something with a lot of uh, scissors in it, um, this, <laughs> that's really what attracted me to this movie because I was doing a lot of scissor things, scissor related things. And uh scissor related things yeah right. like my book is basically, basically about us the book is called scissor kill but like like a lot of a lot of the scissor shit i was doing and i was just like i was attracted to sort of uh and i don't know why and some of this movie maybe this movie unlocks some of that for me uh but like this is how this movie came on my radar uh just because of like the weird use of scissors i was like let me, let me watch this movie um but there's something about the way that the scissors are fetishized um and just the way that there's you they serve as symbols and like what they mean because there's a when you really think about it like the role of the scissor in in everyday life has ties to childhood use you know yeah. in terms of like you know when you're a kid and you're using scissors uh yeah. to do you know things in school projects or whatever yeah and then and then this idea of like scissors and how they're used 
to sort of uh, by tailors. You know what I mean? Um, <laughs> you know, again, I'm playing the association game. I should be in the chair, yeah. like 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 Reiko talking to the, <laughs> the therapist right now. Maybe he can fix my obsession with scissors. Uh, <laughs> but, but yeah, but you're right. Like I think he even goes as far as to say like that they represent like your soul and in, in, in your conscious. Like you know what I mean? Like the scissors, mm-hmm. like the the, the 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 images, like this the scissor that represents your desire with the leg, or you want to kill a gami you know yeah. one is the bull like but 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 they're both are you you know the duality that yeah. exists, you know um so all of this shit is there it's no surprise like you said that it's based on some mishima shit um this movie is definitely uh some mishima shit <laughs> <laughs> that's, 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 that's my letterbox review it's some mishima shit no. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, um, it is, uh, Mishima also he he played in he he was an actor in one of uh, Masumura's films too. Yeah, so they kind of have like some some sort of like working relationship, relationship. going on there. Yeah, for a yeah, while. yeah. I, I was yeah. That's a, I'm glad you brought that up because I totally would have forgot to bring that up. Yeah, um, I thought that was super interesting and also and and again like not surprising. <laughs> like uh when you really think about it, like when you really you familiarize yourself with these with the films of Massimura, that's not at all surprising why these those two specifically would be uh related in some have some sort of relationship. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, like I don't know, at this point of the movie though, uh to get back onto that, like when when he's when he's basically outlining for everyone including including Rico, what her actual problems are <laughs> and why she has no memories of certain things. Uh, it's, it's more, uh, it's more about her repressing her memories. Right. Like, yeah. and she gives away a, a thing of, about her father dying um, at that point And like, um, while she was a baby, which becomes a, which, which is the, when she reveals this, it just seems like she's just talking to the doctor, but mm-hmm. The movie sort of like brings this back in like because she has another dream that she talks about the next time she sees him where uh she mentions a memory of her as a young girl which is a very weird memory of her father being yeah. and it, it, but it can't be because she's already revealed to him in this scene that she was a baby when he when she when he he died yeah uh, exactly. which is why he's able to be like that's a lie and you know what I mean? Uh, but not yeah. to get too 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 far far ahead um of the story at this point. Um, but that's when she mentions her brother at that point, though, when she first mentions that her father died when she was a baby, she's like, My brother was the only one there in that sort of role. And that's when the doctor starts to get into that relationship for the first time. Mm-hmm. Where like, you know, he actually asked her were there any sexual abnorm- abnormalities in her family. Um and she's like nothing, and you know, at that point, she was like, "I'm just a normal child." And you're already like, "Oh, red yeah, flag!" Oh God, yeah. <laughs> and the doctor's immediately on it, like you know, he knows she's bullshitting, right? <laughs> yeah. He's like, "Okay, you're basically saying that it, that it is okay, okay." Yeah. And at that point, she's like, you know, therapy's over. She's you know, and and because she's lying, like, well, she she doesn't say he says it, right? He knows she's lying. He's like, "Get out! Therapy session's over. Like, get out! Like, you're not telling me the truth." You know, and yeah. she's like struggling and she's freaking out. And like, there's a whole, there's a little, there's the first time the doctor actually kind of gets a little physical with her, where he's yeah. just like, you know, trying physically trying to like get her to, to leave. And then he's like, listen, like, you're either going to tell me the truth or this is, we're done. Like, it's over. So she acquiesces and, you know what I'm saying? And she's, he has her sit back down in the chair. Um, and that's when sort of we start to get the actual, uh, 
the true story well some of it because she's still lying uh yeah which, which the doctor <laughs> kind of knows uh but we start to get this this through the backstory of the relationship uh with her brother and guess for for all those who have who aren't aware this is this is the part of the movie where we get into the incest okay uh <laughs> this is where it goes uh full like you know like incest shit where she she says that you know she always loved her brother as a child and when she becomes like and when he became an adult like she want or when she became an adult she wanted to be his wife and like that was her dream like you know what i mean like but you're already like what the hell and then it's like shows this scene of her like i guess when she's still in her junior year of high school or some shit like that yeah and her brother comes in she's like laying on the floor and the brother comes and lays next to her right and he she's asleep with like i think she has like a book on her chest and like yeah Yeah, right and he's like rico and she like looks over and he and then he like reaches his hand he's like i want to teach you something nice and he, we watch his hand lift up his skirt, and you're like, oh damn! Right. And it goes where you think it goes, where like his hand goes down her her her, her giant girl bloomers, um, and like, and like he basically, uh, for, for people, he finger pops his sister. Yes, he finger bangs his sister. I'm sorry, I didn't write the movie. Blame it on Mishima. I mean, he's dead, but you know, blame it on <laughs> blame it on anybody else. I didn't write it. I'm just here to document it and talk about it with Fred. All right, leave me alone. Right? <laughs> this is all professional here. This is completely. We're, I'm not, just we're like not kidding doctor. around here. I'm just like the doctor in the movie. All right, I'm a, I'm a professional. Right, right. I'm a professional. I'm here to do a job, diagnose the problem. What you guys do with exactly. that? <laughs> yeah. But yeah, this whole creepy scene between brother and sister, we we get uh, a view of, um, and this is the first moment and instance where we get the sense of the doctor is like actually getting at the root of why Reiko is frigid and unable to feel anything around other men because mm-hmm. more or less she wants to have uh and we don't have to go like i said like i'm, I'm pretty bad about this fred uh, i'm pretty bad like i'm always the guy who's like i don't want to do a podcast where i talk about the movie beat by beat and then i do podcasts and podcasts where i go beat by beat and i try to yeah. like, not do that and it's like really pointless like y'all should you should probably watch this weird movie about incest if you're into this uh but if not right. i don't blame you um but I do think it's a worth of conversation. It's a worthy conversation to have about. Uh, but um, at this point, though, in the movie, um, when we're revealed that this happened, right? I think uh, then the scene with the aunt is retold, right? Yes. So we get that flashback yeah. of her going because after her brother, because apparently, right, her brother, uh, the family. She confesses or I think she like confesses what or something about her love to her brother or something or some shit. So she it for and I can't quite I'm and Fred correct me if you remember it. I think she tells I think she tells uh, the doctor that after this transpired at a certain point, she admits or the brother, somebody in one of them admits what there's something going on between them. Um, the brother actually leaves, right? He's like he like leaves, right. disappears. And they yeah. refer, he like he's disappears the family he's like shunned or whatever um mm-hmm. and then she goes to stay with her aunt because she wants to see her brother apparently um because she still has this weird like desire for her to be with her brother and mm-hmm. the scene with her aunt is actually uh she goes up there to see her brother because she knows her brother's out there basically living away from them in the family and the brother shows up to see the aunt Right, and I, I, I'm probably recalling this, or maybe this is the scene that triggers him leaving. I don't quite remember the details, 
I think, right. I think you're right. I think you were right, right the first time. Right. So like he shows up in this black pants and black t-shirt, which is important because the men that she first is attracted to that reminds her of her brother are wear the black pants, black t-shirt. He takes off the black mm -hmm. pants, black t-shirt, and he just, he strips his aunt. Again, this is his aunt because it's, it's all in the family with this family. dog. Like, again, this is another <laughs> thing when I talked about that Japanese custom of uh, the small and small villages of men visiting at night. A lot of these small villages, and this is a this is a thing that was in the village of doom, which is like there's a lot of incest because these were very insular communities, and then there wasn't a lot of people that lived in these rural areas, mm -hmm. right? So there's mm -hmm. a lot of that that like that the cousin fucking shit was like some shit. I mean, I don't know, like yeah, <laughs> no no judgment. I mean, but you know, but judgment. <laughs> uh, so she's watching it, but we now we realize that this this scene she did saw was her brother having sex with her aunt. And she goes and tells the aunt's husband, who she, who she tells the doctor was a good man. And she said she told everyone about them. But part of this was because of jealousy, because she wanted her, even though it's wrong and it's an incestuous relationship with a, an aunt and her nephew, yeah, she's yeah. just mad because her sister actually wanted to be with her brother, which is again, so fucked up. The levels of yeah. fucked up <laughs> are just like peak, right? So <laughs> the doctor is sitting there listening to the story and he's just like, hmm. But he's still he's still a professional. He's like, mm -hmm. and she's like, at that point, that's when she says, like, he disappeared. And the doctor's like, disappeared, you know? Um, and I think she mentions that, like, um, at that point, like, the childhood, the guy that's the childhood fiance, like, her family wanted her to marry him. But she has this love for her brother, which forces right. her to leave. And that's when she escapes to Tokyo. Like, yeah. he goes to school because she was... Because apparently, because the brother was disgraced, right? And I wrote this, actually, some of this down because it was such a weird plot point. But, like, the brother, yeah, yeah. because of the brother disappearing, right? The family wanted to arrange this marriage with this kid, with the other family, so that, so that they could inherit the family's house to keep it within the family because the brother's no longer there. Yeah. Weird thing, you know, but, but that's yeah. a weird plot point that was there, and I made sure to put that out. So that's when she leaves to go to Tokyo. Um yeah <laughs> uh, uh i don't know if you caught that fred uh, or not uh did you pick on up on that because i had to like stop the movie at that point and pause it and be like what and i rewound it and i was like okay <laughs> yeah no I, I was i was i was a little bit lost like like around that time i was kind of like hmm, i can't really follow all the threads going on yeah, yeah it's i was i was pretty i was pretty convinced that like the the um the um the assault that happens in the woods is related to her running away. But like, apparently that like later on just loses its significance. So yeah, yeah because, but, but what we find out no. though is, is that be, just like the story that was retold with the ant is like, you got to take all of these stories with a grain of salt because she's only giving exactly. Half, yeah. She's giving half truths and out, outright lies yeah. and mixing them together. And it's the doctor that's trying to much like the audience is trying to parse like what to believe and what not to believe with Reiko because she's such, she's so, she, all of this shit is repressed. This whole movie is about right. her, her bringing the repressed memories out, right? Like, and yeah. sort of like us, so that she could be cured, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. so. And, there, and there's like hints too, because like mm -hmm. the guy who, the guy who um, assaults her in the woods, he's wearing like, I think like a schoolboy uniform. Mm -hmm. It's like, I thought it was like, a, it looked like a milkman uniform. <laughs> Yeah, because like because like they throw their their like their books away, you know. So he's like, so he's like. At first, I thought like, oh, it's like a kid her age who's doing this, and then you see like this old guy, and I was like, wait, <laughs> you know. And then later on, I realized, oh, she's just like mixing all these. Things.
things together and like and lying, he, not lying. Like, and I don't know if I don't know if I haven't verified this, but like I I think it. I'm not quite sure. The guy that they show with that first assault, right? Like, mm-hmm. once I got to the end of the movie and we see her go back because that, there's a moment where she she goes after this after this session, the result of this session where where the doctor gets to her to bring all this out and finally admit about this relationship with her brother. And the whole reason why she was attracted to Agami in the first place was because he was wearing the black shirt and the black pants and then she thought it was her brother. And that's the reason why they have this. Once she reveals all this, right. Then immediately she decides to leave because she tells the doctor more or less, like, I know what my problem is. Agami reminds me of my brother. That's why I can't be with him. I just need to be with another man. I'm going to go. So she tells Agami, like I'm leaving the fiance dude that I ran away from in Tokyo, he's sick with cancer. He's dying. I'm going to go right. see him. Right. Yeah. And does it in a very callous, cold way. And Igami's yeah. like, yeah. What, are you, what are you doing? Like, he's, you know, like Igami's like, again, Igami's kind of a, like, kind of a, a simp dog. Like, but like, but <laughs> <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? Like, he's like taking the he line. Is, he is. Like, come on, bro. Like, why are you still with this blizzard chick? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, like, what is the, you trying to tell me that you're the, 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 uh, the uh, amount of women in Tokyo is that bad? Like, come on, bro. There's got to be, but uh, yeah, he I, probably just has like no game. Like, he just like, apparently because even when when she finally like when he does when she she basically forces the breakup, right? That's right. when he says there's other women out. Or no, maybe he doesn't say it. Maybe it's the guy. No, it's another guy that says that. Damn, it's just, yeah. probably still a simp. Yeah, he's a simp. The whole yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so like, yeah, like like this whole like scene plays out where where uh to get back on track. Um, so she goes to, she first, first she, she tells the, the, the whole, I was in love with my brother thing. Then it shows the flashback of her meeting Agami and he's got the black on. Then it shows them go to the love hotel for the first time and they make love, but she's not enjoying it at all. Right. And that's like, again, yeah. Yeah. And that's when I believe, I think, um, at that point in the movie is when, um, after after we see sort of that first night where she's like unenjoyed and she feels nothing that's when she comes to the conclusion that she has to go find another man and that's Mm -hmm. when she leaves and she goes back to her village or wherever the hell she's from right and bumfuck (laughs) uh, japan (laughs) shout out to all the places in japan like uh that are like in the middle of nowhere that um that don't get any (laughs) enough shine i think uh the karate kid gave okinawa some shine i know okinawa yeah I think Okinawa is probably industrialized and bigger now, 2023. Forgive my yeah, ignorance. Probably. Shout out to all my Japanese listeners out there. Um, I know there's a few <laughs> though. I know it has to be. Um, uh, <laughs> but she goes back to see this guy, and he's like, literally, this dude is like, I was thinking, um, that's what I was going to say to you, Fred. Um, yeah. The guy in the the guy that we saw with her in uh, the guy that we saw with her in the the scene where she's assaulted. I thought it was the same actor. That plays the guy in the bed. I right. I don't. I didn't like double check. I'm not that. sure. Yeah. I'm not sure if it is or not because because yeah. it could be the same actor. But like, there's this guy. Be, he's, yeah. he's like completely on his deathbed. He's got some sort of form of cancer. Uh, she's there to take care of him. He's like completely white. Yeah. Like, uh, his eyes. He looks like he has like a lazy eye. It's like he's got this weird kind of like look. It's like dude looks crazy, and like yeah. um, <laughs> she's like loving it like because he's uh pretty much uh sick and dying and 
she thinks that she's figured out her problem. The cure is that she has to be with the sick and dying man. <laughs> that's her, that's her like way of like, like that's how she logically is making sense of this. Like, this is the answer. The answer is I need to be with some motherfucker who's literally on his deathbed. That way I can yeah. hear music. And she's like, right. I'm hearing music. But meanwhile, there's no music playing. You're hearing music right. in your head. Right, <laughs> so you're right. not even really hearing music. It makes you hear music in your head. So she's like, right. because, and, and, and you know what? Damn, man, Masamura's really good. Cause like, remember how I was talking about like this idea of like, uh, your therapist is supposed to be uh, careful not to re-traumatize you. Yeah. That's what happened. He re-traumatized her and it caused her to do this shit. Yeah. It caused yeah. her to run away, go to be yeah. with this sick dude. Right? Like, right. So really, I mean, damn, damn. Wow. I mean, he kind of he kind of does this thing where he's like, um, oh, you know, it, it, it's going to get worse before it gets better. Better. Right. Right. So he's That's like, that, he he's says. fully down with the like, I'm going to re-traumatize you. Like, I'm gonna yeah, he's, he does not care. He I'm going to make care. you hit rock bottom and be fucked right. up. Right. Like before I cure you, like it's really fucked. Yeah, it's like an alcohol anonymous approach or something. I don't know. <laughs> but but she's with the sick guy, and Agami comes down there. Um, and she's like been taking care of him for 10 days apparently or something like that he's mm -hmm. like you've been taking care of him the whole she's like i'm happy i, I love it you know yeah. all this shit and so like she goes it's in like really he's working like, she's like, right yeah. she's literally like waiting on him hand and foot and like cleaning yeah. him and doing all this shit and then there's this weird moment where like she goes and he's like feeling sick because he's dying right and yeah. she's <laughs> washing his back and and then like she's kind of being kind of like a little bit mean to him a little bit too like uh, mm -hmm. but also caring and over in a strange way um yeah. and like uh she takes her shirt off and like puts his hands on her breast yeah and like she's like in this orgasmic she's loving it like or state yeah. of being or she's like oh and then that's agami's just like in like looking through the the door like a cuck like <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> big cuck energy going on in this scene huge cuck energy <laughs> like what the fuck is he's happening? just like fully cucked and right like, he's just I standing mean, there like this is like huh? yeah maybe I'm, maybe i'm not remembering this correctly but like i feel like there's like some ambiguity in his face too like he's not sure yeah, he's like, not quite sure i thought i yeah. thought he was gonna storm in there and be like yo what the fuck are you doing you know but like he's just standing there it's a sad like, moment. Like, it's a sad moment. Of all the fucked up stuff that happens in this movie, it's probably one of the saddest moments is looking at Agami just watch that moment where he's watching. He's just like, completely, like what the, you know, like he's just lost. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, if you saw that shit, you'd be disturbed too. You'd be like, Yo, what is wrong? Like, what the fuck? Yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> I, mean I wouldn't know what to say, honestly. I mean, dude is on his deathbed, literally. Like, dude is like, you don't even, I don't even get the sense that dude even knows what's going on. Like, he's just, his hands. Yeah, I mean, this is, yeah. We're talking just, like borderline abuse here. Right, we're talking about place. like, yeah, like the abuse of like a corpse. I mean, which also yeah. like, when he he does actually literally kick the bucket. Um, But after this yeah. weird, but let me not, let me not skip to the point where he dies because it's kind of funny the way that happens. Um, But like, uh, <laughs> So Agami's standing there like with the cuck energy and he's like watching like, oh, yeah. <laughs> like, and immediately following this, uh, we see, I think uh, there's a, the doctor is on the phone and he's on the phone with Reiko and she's saying, I heard the music. I heard it clearly. And she's like, yeah, but she says, but not with my ears, with my body. So again, she never, right, right. Right, right. <laughs> she said the music flew out from deep within her body. Again, I mean, that's what the subtitle said. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and like, she's describing this like scene of she's in ecstasy. Like, it's so great. You know, I just, it mm -hmm. felt so good. And then like, 
of course, Agami's like pissed. He tries to grab the phone from her, but she's like, I'm cured now, doctor. I must be cured. And like, yeah. she hangs up the phone, right? And like, uh, then Agami, at this point, like, I think before even that has an interaction, before Agami has an interaction with her after she hangs up, the doctor and the assistant have a little quick conversation, right? And like, mm -hmm. the woman's like, well, she's cured. And he's like, nah, she's not cured. Like, you, yeah. you know, uh, like this, this is far from over. Like, and then yeah. I think his assistant is like, you only care when, uh, when you are like the person who, who cured her, but like, clearly yeah. she just no, like, like she's, this woman is like capital T toxic. Like she's far from, she's like far from cure. <laughs> so he knows that. Right. Um, so yeah. the assistant, I think just wants to get rid of her because right, like, right. she's just like, whatever. Really like, she's just like, this is going to end terribly. That, I think right. that's her vibe. Kind of. Yeah. Yeah. So, so the doctor's already like, all right, she's, she's out there. Like he's, you know, he's just biding yeah. his time. And yeah. she's, this, at this point, um, that's when the guy dies. Like he, they come back into the room. There's doctors there with him. He's dead. He has no pulse. Yeah. And of course, at this point, Agami's next to Reiko. Reiko falls on top of the dead guy. His name is Shun, I believe. It's the childhood dude. And she's like talking to Shun. And then she's like kissing on him. Like, again, so kissing on a dead body. So it's like borderline yeah. necrophilia time. Like, right yeah, there. yeah. And then like, I think Agami <laughs> like tries to pull her off of her, him. And she's like fighting with him. And she's like, I'll be with him forever, even in the grave. Yeah. Like, so she wants to be with this dead guy. It's like on some ne necromantic shit, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, sh yeah, shout out to uh, Horg and, and necromantic. Uh, uh, but uh, yeah, it's yeah. definitely on some like corpse, corpse fucker shit. And, and like, yeah. but she's telling, she's clearly insane because she's like, he's holding her and she's talking about like, I enjoyed being with a sick in, or, or a dead man. Like, I enjoy it. Like, I can yeah. hear the music, but I don't yeah. hear shit with you just straight up evil like just like no regard for agami at all like you know talks about like i feel wonderful with sex i never felt with you just saying mm -hmm. evil shit to him right like yeah you know what i'm saying like and she even says like you're you have this perfect body it doesn't feel right like like you know like i must be with someone who's weak and bony like this is some sick <laughs> shit bro it's like like next level shit sick shit right and she says it's so like, funny you, though it's so yeah, funny. She's like i could smell lady. the dead and she says that shit, i could smell the dead it sends shivers through my body here's <laughs> a shit oh, god <laughs> imagine sitting down and writing that like just yeah. being like yep yeah. there we go i got it <laughs> that's the point where she says like i'm like i don't ever want to see you again don't ever come back i hate you and then agami's yeah. like so you want to break up which is yeah. like, yeah, dog, she wants to break up, bro. Like, <laughs> wait, what do you mean? He's like, wait, yo, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, I remember that. That's true, actually. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, I think that's pretty clear here. Uh, <laughs> like, wait, 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 are you breaking up? With me? Like, like, yeah, oh, like, get these, this guy could not get, get a catch a hint at all. No, um, so. damn. Agami leaves in shame and she's there to be with her, her dead, her dead lover, uh, where she just like lays on top of him. Um, and, and like, it's weird because at this point she's reached full like hysteria, like yeah. she's laying on top of the dead man and she's saying like, it feels so good. And yeah. then I think at this point it just kind of cuts and we see like a man sitting by himself on a rock. Uh, well, actually we see her, I think we see her walking She's towards like, the man right right she she comes across the man i don't know what she's yeah doing, she comes across some guy but she's like walk. it looks like she's like by like some sort of hotel or i don't know if she's left the hospital yeah. but she's in like a dress and she's just walking and she sees a guy sitting over on the rocks by the ocean 
And of course, the guy's wearing a black shirt, right. black pants. Looks like her brother. Is, by the way, the, the scene is kind of a mirror from uh, from a scene in the, the Blue Sky Maiden too. That's like another mirror that's going on. Like even uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, yeah really it's, kind of, he's kind of using the same kind of yeah. Setup. Again, all this is intentional. All this yeah. is intentional. You're going to find reoccurring things in other films. Yeah, I think Matt, that's what makes that's what makes I guess Masamura an interesting filmmakers for shit like that. Where were we? Okay, so she she encounters this guy, right? She encounters this guy on this this uh, rock who's looking at the ocean, and she immediately she's attracted to him because of what he's wearing. It reminds him of her brother and what he wore the night that he broke in and smashed her aunt. <laughs> uh, and she she immediately can ascertain that this guy's impotent for some reason. And she yeah. says that, don't worry, I'm frigid. I know, you know what I mean? So she's, for some reason, her antennas for, maybe it's because she's so toxic. She just is attracted to men who are impotent or are men who are weak because she picks up yeah. on the fact that this guy is impotent. Maybe just- Doesn't because, a look about him though. Right, he, he does have that kind of like, yeah, he's definitely got inf impotent vibes for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you, <laughs> you know, got, yeah. you mean here, but like you look like, at him- and Like he's like, he's like a, he's got that incel energy, like- <laughs> Yeah, definitely. Like brooding, kind of brooding. You know. Yeah, kind of like yeah. For he's like actively participating in No Nut November, uh, like by by right, the right. his own because he can't. Um, so she takes <laughs> she takes him back to the, the, her room or whatever, and he reveals to her that this is the funniest part. I started to laugh. He said that the reason that he's impotent is because he was trying to write a novel and he couldn't. <laughs> Right, right. <laughs> so he can't get it up anymore, which is a critique on writing and writers in general, which is fucking hilarious. Yeah, I know. I like. I mean, <laughs> Mishima. I'm, 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 so I'm gonna credit Mishima to that because I'm gonna credit Mishima. Yeah. So Mishima, this must be Mishima's commentary on some shit. Yeah. Maybe this yeah, is how yeah, he feels yeah. when he can't write a book, or maybe he just feels that people that can't write books can't get it up. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, those <laughs> things are linked definitely because, like, it's actually so funny. I wrote for actually for the Substack. I wrote this this uh, this long ass piece. About dinosaur jr and one of the things that uh jay mascus the guitarist and singer says when they asked him about you know why did you guys like abandon hardcore because he's like well you know we had sex so you lose that <laughs> right, right, right. drive to kind of to kind of make like hardcore punk music yeah you know, those things are related. Yeah, they are. You're right. They're definitely related. They're definitely related. Um, I, I can I can definitely see where that 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 criticism and that that sort of perspective could be uh I could see why they would put something in there or say something yeah. like that in, in because there is definitely it's a it's a creative act. Yeah, yeah. Which is what sex is, is a creative act. So the fact that people tie those two drives together because they're you know yeah. they're very they are similar in a lot of ways and and they do a or they should be they should be treated yeah, yeah, as yeah. related. Right, right. I feel so, like they're not really as much these days, you know, there's a lot of, you know, we don't have to get into like the, you know, sexlessness of like, mm -hmm. of culture the, the, right now. But, you know, the, I feel like there's, there is kind of an effort to kind of untangle those two. Right, for you know, sure. A lot of, a lot of, yeah. a lot of writing doesn't feel. It is sexless. A lot of art is sexless now um, in yeah. a way that's very disturbing. Um, yeah. me. And I mean, it feels um, like it doesn't have that libidinal yeah. quality it doesn't really feel like there there's somebody's really pulling from like the depths of their like mm -hmm. you know and this is ironic it's ironic that a movie that is about literally about that is so yeah. has so much of a libido like you know right. like this movie right. is about sexless sexlessness uh, right. almost to the point where like um there's a point where rico is basically like openly saying she's asexual 
but yeah. she's really not. But like, no, and it's also what's going on, not really. Right. And it's also this movie is like there was points in this movie where when it's uh, I was almost like on the fence of like, yo, is this like Masamura's attempt to make an asexual film? But by like the time he gets to the movie, by the time you get halfway through, you're like, no. But like there's definitely that idea is presented, like that idea of like the concept of an asexual person, because Rico is at a certain point like saying that like you know what i mean like overtly yeah, like, yeah. that she's like you know what i mean like because when she takes this guy into this room and to to have the hookup with him and she like strips down she basically says like we can lay together like siblings and just don't touch me like like yeah. you know like not even with a little finger i think that's what she says right like yeah and, yeah and she's <laughs> yeah. like strips down and then like the guy's just like looking all simped out like or not even like like just completely like i can't get it up um and like yeah. they lay together and she's just basically like relating to him like as if like we don't two people would don't need sex like and she's getting off on the, ironically getting off on the yeah yeah, yeah yeah so it's like no clearly you're a sexual being like and, yeah. and even him like she he ends up having sex with her because he gets turned on by her being next to him and rubbing on all the shit and then like yeah. she gets mad at him afterwards because clearly she didn't get anything from it but he did and he's like you cured me <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, i never want to see you again like you know what i mean because she's so fucked up <laughs> there's, so, there's so much like paradoxical stuff going on this is so always kind of yeah 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 there's so much going on what did you think about this scene fred like what did you think <laughs> I mean, it's, it's it's interesting because I, I did actually, you know, I've, I mean, about, I have to say, sorry, sorry go ahead. what about the, the, the moment where she's like visualizing him dead too? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Where she, like she thinks of him in the, in the, like, is he shows an image of him, like in the, in the hole in the ground, in the sand completely yeah. white she's got like black on looking over his body yeah like there's like they're even throwing dirt on it I think. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah 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 i mean it was you know the thing is like i wrote that piece about uh about pink films and like i kind of it still occupies my brains i have a tendency to kind of always go back to those movies but like what's interesting is like um a lot of stuff like you know like what you said about her getting off on like not you know basically not having contact is actually something i've talked about before with like um with like other pink films like mm -hmm. pink films that came later you know that, yeah. that are very much about like voyeurism or surveillance you know those kind of things where it's like it's it, it is about the distance you know it's not like oh i can't have it or like no i don't want it that's what's get that's what's getting me off right now so you know it kind of ties into that like um into that um it's a, it's a weird it's it's a weird thing that like how they play with as these types of films play with those sort of contradictions yeah like, uh, yeah very much because it's, it's hard to articulate kind of because like it's it, it kind of gets into you know you're kind of you're <laughs> you kind of have to occupy a certain headspace and i feel like the, this movie does a good job to also like visually just take you mm -hmm. and you know like the doctor's office is very much a dark void yeah it does kind of do a lot to kind of take you into like maybe a certain headspace that isn't entirely tethered to like you know that's a good, i'm glad you brought that up that the doctor's office is like a dark void because the way the doctor's office is shot it's like almost it's just they the doctor and reiko are the ones that are lit and then it's right. just they're completely surrounded by dark shadow it's almost right? like blind beast in a way they, they kind of remind me you know blind beast obviously has like those arms and legs and stuff like on the wall but like a lot of it is kind of just like a dark void kind mm, of yeah and how, the way he utilizes shadow and light is a very yeah. like, very artistic and, and interesting yeah. way uh but 
also was surreal is besides the fact that she's imagining him dead uh, yeah. like lays with him and she's it's the moment where like she's putting this like you said she's throwing the dirt on him and then like scissors like giant scissors jump out of at her. all right and she has to like dodge. Yeah, she's like has to like dodge matrix dodge and weave these giant yeah. scissor blades like <laughs> right 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 that's that true yeah and then like she has this dark cloth on and like it ends up cutting it off like you know what i mean like yeah. She's oh just, yeah and it kind of comes is, apart it's like all it shredded up. up yeah so yeah. she's like inching away nude from these scissors again that are yeah. opening and closing again like and she's like to the point where she's just laying down and the scissors are like opening and shutting above her and then she wakes up yeah. next to the guy and he's like what's wrong like you know what i mean <laughs> like yeah yeah that's true yeah i mean do the I, I i forget do the scissors like emerge from the guy's it's, yeah yeah it's, it's it's the angle never shows that they, but you yeah. get the sense that it's coming out of the grave like we yeah. don't know that's if it's implied kind of yeah like, yeah yeah they, the way they shoot it the way it's shot it's just yeah. we just see the scissors in the foreground more or less coming into the frame and yeah. then like she's just trying to avoid them but yeah, yeah she has this freak out nightmare waking yeah. up next to the guy and she ends up like biting him right <laughs> like, yeah like, he's like what are you doing and she's like you know you, i told you not to touch me but he's like but you put your you put my hand on you like what are you talking right. about <laughs> like you made right. me do this like what are you, you crazy you crazy bitch <laughs> yeah <laughs> like that's so much contradictory things like even the characters do so many you know like don't touch me don't touch me but he's like you know she takes his hand like it, there's just all these contradictions going on it's yeah like, and that's when he says though he he starts to rub her breast and he says you're not a frigid like you're yeah. not a frigid woman. Like you're not a normal woman. Yeah. It, 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 like at the pointing out the contradiction, like right in front yeah. of her. And then she starts to freak out. Like, and then she says, I'm she's I think she says, like, I'm better than you. He's like, You're impotent and you're not a real man. She's saying again, she calls him a cripple, a weakling, all this shit to piss him right, off. Right, right. Yeah. The same <laughs> shit that she did to her to 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 Agami, basically. You know what yeah. I mean? But then he like jumps on top of her. Uh, and then like I guess at that point is when like it's kind of an assault, weirdly, yeah. but like it's kind of ambiguous, right? Because it cuts away and it shows, yeah. I think it shows like the ocean at night. And then when it comes back, like at that point, like if I'm not mistaken, <laughs> they're completely finished. They have no, like he has no underwear on. She has no yeah. underwear on. He's laying yeah. on top of her. So, and he's like, I'm cured. Yeah, like, like yeah. I, I found the, I found the yeah. shot of the the waves kind of uh, hitting the beach so interesting because it is kind of like a, you know, this goes back to like his his uh, Masamura's sensibility as like a melodrama melodrama <laughs> filmmaker because it is kind of a motif from like Ozu, right? Like I believe Late Spring is the movie where like yeah. uh, it opens with the with the waves and it closes with the waves. Right. So it kind of it kind of ties into that, too, because like this is like this is like 72. So this is a good good while after um, late spring. But, you know, this is like the first thing I thought, which is kind of like he's still pulling from that, like foundation, I guess, that he right. has. Yeah, know? that's an interesting point. You're right. You're right. That's definitely all of these things are like clearly influences. And yeah. Like, I think they just coexist like the yeah. smart, the sleazy yeah. stuff like and you know with this like really and that's probably why but that's probably why this type of movie appeals to me is because it, it is one of those movies that you just said it doesn't make the distinction between high and low it just kind of like everything and when it comes to art it's yeah. just like it's all yeah. things at the same time like it's a, like, a it's, like it's right it's just for. yeah it's just it's sleazy it's high art it's fucking melodramatic it's yeah. dark it's comedic it's it's like all of these things in one like you know and, and it's also kind of bullshit like you know yeah like let, let me be totally real for a second like i was i was actually thinking of like um 
Paul Verhoeven's uh, The Fourth Man, right? Mm -hmm. Because what he said, what Verhoeven said about that movie is, oh, I basically just added all this Catholic imagery just so people would think it's like deeper than it is. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, you know, at, at some point, like, especially with that scene where like mm -hmm. the scissors kind of come out of the grave or, or like, you know, attack her and stuff. Mm -hmm. And it's like, this is, I mean, this could mean something, but it could also just be a really good excuse to get her naked. Again, right, right. Know, and that, and that's, that's, the, that's the implicit sort of, uh, under sort of tone of this whole thing, yeah. which is like, you can lie to yourself and watch this movie and be yeah. like, oh, I'm doing it because it's like interesting, but it's like, dog, it's clearly there for, you know, like, like it's like- Yeah, I mean, someone's so, getting off. Yeah, someone's getting, getting off. off. It's, it's also, like you said, like a lot of this artsy sort of approach, mask is mask, like sort of the, 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 the sort of uh, lower sort of aspirations <laughs> the yeah, lower yeah, aspirations yeah. Of, of the movie like in and of itself yeah. like, like where it's like but that's what i love about it though is because i do i truly feel like this is a movie that melds so many different things together at once that it's like yeah yeah it's kind of you could take this seriously but it is kind of bullshit like it, it is kind of yeah. like i'm just kind of throwing things at yeah. the, at the wall yeah. kind of like seeing what sticks like yeah. uh there's that element to it for sure i think if you read this movie too seriously i think you're actually probably doing you're, yeah you're doing too much <laughs> yeah yeah for sure no i mean it's kind of it, you kind of have to calibrate like you know yeah but I mean, after, yeah, yeah i mean I, I don't think you know like watching it like sitting down like really stern and like trying to like right. oh what does everything mean like it is an experience at the end of the day like right, you just right. sit well, there i've, and let, I've let said it that too i've said that too i think i think on my last guest when i talked about uh the curse of the dog god with the this podcast uh shout out to the guys from sick on cinema i said the, the approach to movies like that movie um which is an out there japanese movie as well is like mm -hmm. you just have to accept what yeah. it is and just yeah. let it wash over you like yeah. you can't have any expectations on the movie other than that like yeah. and that's how you have to watch certain kind of movies like the yeah. music is is no different where it's like you yeah. have to kind of approach it with that i that that sense or that mindset of like I just have to like let it be what it is. Not right. not try to look at this with any sort of overly critical eye. I feel like yeah. I don't know. Maybe people maybe get the sense that like from probably listening to a conversation like this or like conversations like these that were like uh, weirdly um, over intellectualizing something like this. Yeah. But, but I just kind of feels like that that just kind of shows that you're dumb. Like because like I don't really feel like <laughs> I don't feel like this is intellectualizing it at all. <laughs> like, like like I feel like no, this movie no. is so overt with its like yeah. things that it's saying. It's like to to watch this movie and not see those things or not talk about those things is just sort of kind of right. like you have to be checked out to a degree where I'm just like, are you watching it on a level that I'm not? Which is just sort of like like not to say again, not to say that you have to come into it with this mindset that's super analytical, but I'm just saying it's not subtle <laughs> you know what I'm no, no, there's no subtlety here so it's like for you how no. do you not miss that i mean again i i maybe it's you know this is a hypothetical viewer that i'm talking about but like maybe yeah. there are viewers who probably consume movies in this netflixification culture that we live in if you yeah. want to call it one where yeah. like they're so it's such background material and it's so that maybe that's just affected viewing habits maybe people just view movies that way in general now so you can watch a movie like this and just to completely miss even shit that is like banging you over the head with like you know yeah. like that the filmmaker is like clearly shining a bright flashing arrow sign at it like hey, right right paying this shit like you know <laughs> like this is you know surface level freud fucking you know what i mean like yeah yeah shit. so like yeah i get it i mean but 
to 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 get to the end of this movie because I feel like you know like uh we've definitely we've definitely had a good a great time chopping it up about this movie chopping yeah. it up scissor pun there you see like oh yeah well <laughs> <laughs> chopping it up about scissors uh we this scene culminates with her basically telling the guy like I liked you better like when I when you were impotent and like yeah. now that you now that you're not impotent and you could touch me I can't feel nothing anymore so get right. out like right and dude is confused she's like I can't hear any music but so basically she's insane but then she comes back home to Agami now and Agami being the simp that he is you know he just accepts her and like you know she's like I thought we were broke up she's back literally back at his house suitcase in hand falls yeah. down starts faking her like ailments she's like oh, yeah. i can't breathe so of course a guy yeah. gets on the phone with the doctor the doctor's just waiting like haha i knew he was coming back yeah. <laughs> but, you know what i'm saying so the doctor like you know is like well i see her of course i'll come of course i'll see her and then he says we're gonna cure her today like fuck this yeah. today's the day we're gonna cure her yeah. so they have this final session where uh rico is talking to a uh to the doctor and she talks about that scene where she's a little girl in the bath and then we see a, a man's hairy ass in the fucking foreground yeah. and she's like this is very weird and she's like this is my dad and i seen my dad's thing his man thing and it scared me and it was so i think she described it was like it. dark dark which is strange because he's japanese like I don't yeah know. that was a very weird <laughs> that's a very weird freudian slip i don't know what's going on there but fuck it yeah I'm rolling with it so like she sees this scene and then she goes to like the scissors of her cutting up the scissors and saying she hated her dad's thing and she yeah. wanted to snip it off with scissors again castration theme you know yeah. so she's she shows her cutting the scissors and that's when the that's when the doctor says you're bullshitting me yeah, you told me that your dad died when you were a baby. Yeah. And, you know what I'm saying? So that wasn't your father. That's your brother. You know, because the doctor <laughs> knows everything. This guy knows yeah. everything, right? He's like, he, you know, read the script. Like, right, right, right. He read the script. He wrote the script. He's the director. He's like Miles Moore. <laughs> right. right. So like, you know, and so she's explaining like she's psychoanalyzing herself. She's like, that's why I can't be with. That's why I have to be with impotent man because you know all this. And he's like, no, 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 no. And then I think she talks about this scene where she's like, uh scissors and she's like cutting flower stems with the flower scissors the little shorter scissors yeah yeah which like again short, short right which is again i have to think years. phallic phallic imagery short scissors long scissors mm, massive yeah. doing all of this overt shit bro like it's like yeah. come on like you know so far, some of the shit i'm just <laughs> laughing at like i'm like okay this is like funny like there, he has a sense yeah. of humor about this whole shit right so like she's yeah. she's cutting the scissors and that's when like we see a flashback of the the impotent dude comes to see her when she has the short scissors and he's like, I want you back. I, I need you. You're crazy. I love the, you know, that through that crazy pussy makes me go nuts. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, you know, so he's like, no, you, you can't, she's rejecting him. And she like literally like has the scissors. I think, I think at a certain point, like he grabs the scissors from her and like, like is holding them in over her and shit. Right. Yeah. And yeah. It's, it's like some shit out of a slasher movie. Right. If yeah. I like, it's like you know he's on top of her with the scissors or whatever but ultimately like she rebuffs him and like as she's reliving this moment the doctor again has to like call her on her bullshit like you you can stop now like dog like you're telling me all this shit but like i already know what the problem is like tell me about your brother you know what i'm saying and then she reveals yeah. that like you know this whole thing about you know her meeting her brother you know what i'm saying and like going back to meet because he knew he knows the doctor knows that like 
she met with his brother again and more happened with her brother. So she tells mm -hmm. the scene of her out of college meeting her brother and then going on a series of dates with her brother, which again, very fucking weird. And then the brother <laughs> takes her back to his place where he's living this little hole in the wall with a barmaid, right? Um, and she's like, this is a whole romantical date. They've had dinner and everything. Now they're back at the house. Very yeah. strange. Man, she loves her brother. Uh, loves her brother. Yeah. And like, really? fucking, so they're at the house. They're at his little place. The barmaid shows up drunk off her ass. She assumes that this is a girl he's brought home. Yeah. He tells her, no, it's my sister. And the back and forth ensues where it's just like, she doesn't believe that it's his sister. She's drunk off her ass. Uh, Rayco's just sitting there almost like catatonic, yeah. almost like, I don't yeah. want to do it. You know what I mean? And the, yeah. the, he's like telling his sister to leave. She's like, you can just leave, but his girlfriend's not having it. She's like, no, 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 no. Just tell me the truth. You just tell me that this is a woman you're seeing. I can accept it. And apparently there's some issues with them in terms of his impotence, apparently, because she's like, you can't do nothing with me. You know what I mean? Right. Like, but you can bring someone here. You can bring this bitch back. You can bring this you're bitch right. back. You know what I mean? <laughs> that type of energy. Um, so she's like, yo, you're going to have sex with them right here, with her right here in front of me, right? Like, this is what you're going to do, which again, this is a scripty shit. Like, this would never happen in real life, but we, right. we're going with it. So this whole scene plays out where, where he has sex with his sister. And at, when they're right about to, when is they're kissing and basically the girl is the girlfriend of her brother of, of is basically egging this whole thing on and making them go further. Like anybody can kiss yeah. each other. You can kiss each other. That don't mean nothing. Any, yeah, yeah. You can kiss your sister's breast. That don't mean nothing. Like what? Yeah, what right, right. That at? Like, I don't know, yeah. but you know, maybe it's the alcohol. We'll blame it on alcohol. And, yeah. and, and, <laughs> and then she's like you gotta go further so so the brother's down with it he's like i'm about to go ahead because i really do love my sister and then at a certain point it clicks with the drunk woman like wait a minute she she really is your sister y'all like y'all really are yeah brother? and he's like yeah. yeah i'm into it and then like she like leaves and he consummates it with his sister yeah and she talks about how she thought about stabbing her brother the moment he entered her you know what i'm saying yeah. but she doesn't um and basically this is this whole traumatic scene relived this is the whole thing that she's been repressing this whole time. And now that it's out in the open, when we know what it is, the doctor explains to her, like, you know, like we need to, you, we need to go see your brother now. Like we need to have this out, whatever happens, we need to do it. So they all decide to get into a car, his assistant, Agami, simp ass, her, <laughs> they all go to see the brother. Of course, the brother's outside getting drunk. Um, yeah. He doesn't want to go back to the apartment when he sees his sister, but they go back anyway. And when they get there, there's a baby there that he's out getting drunk, left the baby by himself. Baby's crying. It's fucked up. Bad parenting all around. Um, yeah. Picks the baby up. Baby won't stop crying. The sister like gets super emotional. She takes the baby. Oh my God. She's overwhelmed with the baby. He reveals mm -hmm. that the, the mother, which I'm assuming is still the barmaid, is actually a call girl. That's why she's not home. So the baby's, yeah. the baby's mother's a sex worker who's out, you know, you know, making the money because he's not doing shit. He's not even yeah. really taking care of the baby. He's leaving the baby by himself while he's drinking. Um, right. Whole really dark, dark shit. So <laughs> at this point, at this point, though, um, this is where the doctor says, okay, we figured it out. The reason that you can't be with another man, again, was what I already said, which is the central thesis is her, her, her hysteria and her frigidness is derived from this idea that she wants to protect her uterus from having another baby with any other man because she wanted to carry, she wants to carry her brother's 
baby. And yeah. now that she saw that her brothers had a baby with another woman, you can let it go. Again, weird ass, go, yeah. weird ass psychoanalyst shit really doesn't hold up to any r- real type of scrutiny. But no. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the whole thing, right? And that's what it comes down to. He just lays it out, basically. Lays it out for everybody. It's him just kind of... Right for the audience, like, there's no right. ambiguity here. This is yeah. this is what it is, and yeah. he cures her. <laughs> this is the moment where he cures her, right? Right? He fucking cures her. Then he walks back to Agami and tells him like, "You're good. You're good, dog. You're I did your it. Set. <laughs> you know, my 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 hundred percent success rate is continued. Like my streak right. continued. She's cured. Take her back to the love hotel, the nearest love hotel. Don't ask no yeah. questions. Get it in. She's gonna hear the music. She's gonna feel it. Yeah. Good vibes." I'm out. Yeah, it's <laughs> mic drop. Like walks away. Mike you know drop. what I'm saying? Agami does what he says, and then like um, it comes to this like this this moment uh, where it's like I guess you can consider it like an uh, an epilogue or is it an epilogue, right? Or, or yeah. yeah. So like where where he's in the office, you know, the doctor's by himself with his assistant, and you know, he, he's the assistant asks if he's heard from Agami or Reiko, and he's like, you know, these people are like, I think he says he's they're just egoists, you know, like they get caught up in their own shit you know, to check back in or whatever with their own lives. But then she's like, I got a telegram. And he takes it, he hands him a telegram and it's from Agami. And all it says is this, it says music. I wrote it down, so I don't remember it. It says music happens, no fading Agami. And then the doctor says, what a message. And that's it. <laughs> like That's the movie right there. Like Where it's like music happens. So apparently he's, she's hearing music. He's, he's, he's knocking out the back walls of, of Rick. <laughs> <laughs> And it's all good. Like, but the doctor even says though, like, I think he does say another thing. He says that she's gonna have it hard though. Like, yeah, the, yeah there's some does. realization, there is some reality that gets a little bit gets injected back into it. like or he's like, well, he's acknowledging that like this woman is still gonna have it hard. Like, um Yeah, yeah. It's not quite as neat as like right. It's not it's not quite it doesn't quite have the perfect bow on it, but um yeah. but yeah, everyone, uh that is music. Um Thanks again, Fred. It was great. Uh, this movie, uh, let me ask you this before I have you tell people where they can find your work or look for you online, social media and whatnot. Um, yeah. Let me ask you this last question, though, before you do that. Uh, is this movie Fredcore? <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely Fredcore. Okay, cool. Definitely, definitely. 100%, yeah. Okay, well, thank you, man. Thanks. I pre- it was great to chop it up. Uh, yeah, thanks for having me. <laughs> um, where can people find you? Uh, where can people find your stuff? Where give links to your sub stack, all that good shit. Um, well, yeah, I mean, you can basically you can just follow me on Twitter, which is uh, at Fred underscore Beretta. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I mean, I post all post pretty much all my stuff on there. And uh, I'm also on Letterboxd, Fred Barrett. You can find me. Uh, I think you can work it out. Yeah, you know, you, you guys know how to use the Internet. Do, exactly. do, do your Googles. <laughs> yeah. All right. So uh, as always, uh, I don't know how to end podcasts. So uh, <laughs> it's over um, and I will be back sooner than later. Every time I'm in the motel, <laughs> right on. Like I'm <laughs> I got a big ass gal in the Henny. I do not drink lean. How the fuck Tory Lane's going to shoot a bitch, but he will not shoot me. Tory Lane's had a ball spot since he was three. How the fuck you sit down and stand up and you still the same height? Meg the Stallion six feet, you should've picked the Glock down and tried to fight. He got them shoes from Rock Nation and thought he was like Mike. I feel bad cause they gave that short nigga 12 years. 
He was acting like something he was not, so they gave him 12 years. The judge seen his ball spot and gave that nigga 12 years. Free Tory Lane. He got a BBL edge up. He went to the barbershop, told him he won a BBL. I'm starting to think that's the real reason that nigga got 12. The judge probably used to be a barber. Tory Lanez, LeBron James, them niggas the same. You should've let that ball spot go instead of getting a fade. How the fuck you got a ball spot in your head and still trying to get waves? It don't even make sense for Tory Lanez to try to beef with Drake. Tory Lanez short as hell and Drake got barrettes in his hair. Fuck that, I'm on Drake ass. I got my money on Joe Button. How the fuck you think you gonna be the crackhead? Joe Button got crackhead strength. Drake light skin with neck braids. Pusha T said his hair wouldn't grow. He trying to prove Pusha T wrong. Back to back was a dirt song. How the fuck is your name Drake? When I never seen you with a Drake. Rest in peace, XX Tanashion. I feel like a Kanye clone. Fuck Travis Scott. He tried to steal ASAP Rocky swag. Travis Scott should call ASAP Rocky his dad. His last album was ass. I don't know nobody listening to Travis Scott. I got more sugar mamas than Travis Scott. Kanye might be crazy, nephew not. Feel like the nigga who killed Tupac. Fuck Space Ghost Perp. That nigga clout chasing. He diss niggas he ain't gonna see. Don't compare me to Space Ghost Perp. How the fuck is your name Space Ghost Perp? Who the fuck told you that was a cool name? Who let you name yourself that? Every song he made is trash. Shout out my nigga Lil B. I just FaceTimed him the other day. He was in the trap like me. I told him rest in peace, PNB. I told him fuck A Boogie. Millie Rock fell off the map. Cause that whole dance was whack. Four and five year old like 40. He put Glorilla on that song. That girl cannot outdo sexy rap. Glorilla look like a stick figure. She ain't got no titties for a nigga. Rich the kid fell off the map. Since Lil Uzi chased him down. Waka Flocka fell off the map. Cause Tammy left him now. Gucci man got sober about a bit. I wish Gucci had popped some beans again. I wish he'd drink lean again. Who the fuck told Gucci to get healthy? If I ever met Gucci man, I'ma make him watch Hustle and Flow. Cause that nigga had two bitches and he knocked on DJ Paul's door. Like nigga turn that music down. Terrence Howard gave him a half a ounce DJ Paul was looking ugly as shit Your bitch got a wave cap under her wig Bitch got a wave cap like Project Pat Your girlfriend look like Crunchy Black Your girlfriend look like Uncle Murder Your girlfriend look like Sue Surf Ain't no BBL gon' work That girl look like Flavor Flav That girl look like KRS-One That girl look like Granddaddy Master Flash That girl look like Christopher Wallace You pop locking and tick-tocking You got front of the pound, they make no profit All you do is lay up, eat pussy, and gossip You got a swag like Papoose That's why your bitch treat you like she do. Your girlfriend hate when you in the booth. You writing raps and don't tell the truth. You in the apartment rapping by the house. I feel like your mama, I kick you out. I feel like your daddy, I walk out your life. And I'ma see you 18 years later. I am your father, I'm Doc Vader. I leave you missing, you part of Malaysia. You don't want this shit, this shit here cage. I'm the first terrorist, kamikaze Asian. I drive my truck into your house. My music bump like sexy red lip. My music bump like Usher lip. My music bump like NBA Youngboy lip. You come to the A and B Pookie Low. I'm like, put that nigga in the dirt. You should get a keep snitch. T-shirt. You a water boy and that shit won't work. How the fuck you gonna ask me for $30? What the hell you trying to buy an eighth? You want some blunts of black in the $3 plate? You a Jamaican beef patty in the face. What your looking ass, boy? Boy, them Jordans beat up. And your outfit outdated. And you scared of the barbershop. Nigga, you need like 400 styluses. I take back what I said about Tory Lanez. Cause all of my ops be lying. They be lying more than make the stallion. How the fuck she get shot in the foot? And that bitch still back dancing. Any nigga I know got shot in the foot or leg, he never danced again. I know a bitch who got one leg. I know a nigga with one leg. I know a nigga in the wheelchair. And his ass never danced again. Make the stallion, they made her in the lab. Scientists don't built that ass. That bitch could have been in Space Jam. Make the stallion get dunk on Jordan. How they lock Tory Lanez up for that? 
He was just defending himself. He 4'2, she 6'6. Six, six. Shit, Tory Lanez needed help. If I was Tory Lanez, I would've had the Glock. She would've toyed again? I don't think not. She wouldn't even have a toe left. I stay in the house cause shit'll go left. That's why I don't wanna be in California. Shit, I might move to Florida. I hate niggas more than Charleston White. I hate dogs and hate butterflies. I hate niggas. I hate everything I see. These niggas run around like you want man, something that they wanna be. How Lil Wayne discovered Drake? He got barrettes in his head, he gay. Lil Wayne kissed his stepdaddy gay. Lil Wayne dress fell out. How the fuck Lil Wayne the best rapper? Lil Wayne cat way more than Jay-Z. Lil Wayne is not better than Gucci man. Ain't no crack dealers bump Lil Wayne. Only meth heads bump Lil Wayne. They gotta be high drunk and on cocaine. I'm in the dually truck, OJ Juice man. I'd rather listen to Gucci man. How the fuck Jay-Z when it got dragged? When his whole life he had a brush cut. How the fuck J. Cole got dragged? And his whole life he had a brush cut Them niggas don't got no personality Fuck your money, you ain't got no character You know Beyonce dead stretched out You all washed up and don't stretch out They say nephew the best out I never signed to none of you niggas Y'all in a thousand man indictment